Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Taylor's of Tech Live on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We got a site refresh this morning. Apple dropped the new yellow iPhone 14 and... Oh. Okay. That's it. That, uh, that's about it, basically. Um, I guess there were some new cases, maybe a few watch bands, but none of them looked very good to me. <laughs> Neither did the yellow iPhone, but... I'm still uh, celebrating a bit because I think there's a decent chance this could be the last Lightning iPhone to ever exist. Does anyone disagree with me? Does anyone? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get to use the word confirmed or confirms all too often in my videos. So whenever I do get the opportunity, I try to take advantage of it. Yellow iPhone 14 has been rumored for a while now. Um, we talked about it on the last stream. Now it's on a Tuesday morning, as expected, and uh, it's as horrible as we all imagined it would be. <laughs> but yeah, I know there's a lot of people all hoping for at least a new uh, pro color option. Personally, I'm very grateful there was not, because then even more of you would have been tempted to pointlessly upgrade just a couple months before the iPhone makes the switch to Type-C. Uh, so don't buy the 14, okay? That's what I'm trying to tell you now. Um, yeah, if you like... if new iPhone colors like Burkhart just mentioned, uh, typically, even if they're not in an event, they are almost always announced with something else, like a new iPad or a new Mac or something, you know. The, the past couple new iPhone colors have been at events, but before that, there was... I remember the first one, which was completely out of the blue and unexpected, uh, the red iPhone 7 I think that dropped um, March of 2017 alongside the first budget iPad, which was very weird. We'd never expected that, that Apple would release a, a new iPad that started at $300 but just didn't have a laminated display or anything. It was weird. Um, and the only issue I had with the red iPhone 7 was that it had white bezel still. But yeah, I had friends that bought it. And it was only, again, a couple of months before the iPhone 8 and 10 were unveiled. Uh, it, it's kind of a last-second push to try to get people to buy a, a new iPhone again because sales have likely flatlined, especially for the iPhone 14 Plus, which was not rumored to be selling well at all. And this is like a last-ditch effort. Like, ah, there's a new color, please buy it. But uh, the fact that there's no new Pro, I think, makes this an easy pass. Um, you know, I was also thinking they could have easily done like a... If they brought back, like, Sierra Blue or Pacific Blue on the 14 Pros, uh, that could have been, like, a, a support of Ukraine type thing, you know? You have the yellow iPhone and the blue iPhone next to each other and make this the Ukraine edition and part of the money goes towards supporting, you know, I don't know. Maybe Apple doesn't like that association, but I feel like Tim Cook's already talked about it publicly. But, yeah, I'm guessing 14 Pros are just... Um, a lot harder to produce, and they just don't want to mess with that production line um, because they require all the LTPO panels and stuff. They're probably just going to ship Lightning again, but with an adapter in the box like they did when they mandated micro-USB-C. I don't think they ever actually passed that law. They tried to, but it didn't work. Um, why are they bringing only one color always instead of five new colors? <laughs> it's always one color. Uh, even last year, they introduced, uh, like, the midnight green on the regular 13, and it was also basically the same shade of green on the Pros. Um, I would have picked a better color for a legacy iPhone that has the last ever lightning port matte black. That would have made it more tempting to me, for sure, but still. It's an iPhone 14, which is so insanely similar to the iPhone 13 that 
Um, I do not think that the tiny features like action mode or satellite texting are worth the extra $100 or whatever you have to spend to get a 14 over a 13. And uh, also the iPhone 13 colors, in my opinion, are better. Um, I, I don't really like any of the shades. This doesn't really change anything to me. I mean, it's a bit more saturated, but it's still very, very bright yellow. Um, I would love a red pro model. Yeah, hopefully we get that on the uh, 15 Ultra or something this year. But no, I'm still streaming off the MacBook webcam just because I don't feel like setting up the whole webcam plus and stuff. I can do it, but it doesn't seem like that many people mind when I stream right off the webcam anyway. Um, doubt there's going to be any event before Dub Dub now. I guess it doesn't make sense even if you believe in the mixed reality headset rumors because if you do believe that there is a mixed reality headset in the works based on the reports from Bloomberg and Mark Gurman, then in that case, uh, he said it's not going to be unveiled until Dub Dub. So I guess a yellow iPhone kind of reaffirms that we're not getting a spring event, but at least Apple's not having a very uneventful kind of boring spring event, because if this is really all that it is, I mean, it doesn't sound that interesting <laughs> that they'd get a new color. Maybe they could have delayed the MacBook Pros a little bit later in the M2 Mac Mini, but I don't know. I kind of feel like the, the Mac line has kind of fallen into lineup distortion for one, but also just... Uh, they, they can't redesign them, obviously, every year. Uh, and we just got pretty massive redesigns for both the Pros and the Air, which means from here on out, for the next couple of years, we pretty much just have to put up with, uh, okay, new chip, and that's about it. Like, is there, new, is there new design changes? No. Is there new port selections? Not really. It's just same design as before, but now there's a new chip in it. So the Apple Silicon transition... Pretty much is over. I know the Intel Mac Pro is still sitting around, but that's probably going to be discontinued any month now and replaced with a even more boring <laughs> Mac Pro that looks exactly the same. We'll see if they do that as a site refresh, but uh, the same people that were claiming a 13-inch and 15-inch MacBook Air with an M3 chip are going to drop in April seem to be the same people saying that this yellow iPhone was going to happen. So now... At least those sources have proven to be somewhat reputable because the yellow iPhone 14 did happen. So does that mean we should trust them on a new MacBook Air dropping next month? And um, on top of that, it's kind of weird that Apple's still planning to do a M3 13-inch MacBook Pro. Basically expect the exact same 13-inch MacBook Pro now, but just with a new chip. And... Yep, they're still selling that thing. They're still okay with the touch bar living on another day, which is kind of funny. Um, what are my thoughts on the midnight iPhone color? I prefer space black, personally, but some people like midnight, I guess. Trust no one. Um, no new pro color is smart because we've been a few months away from the 15 pro line, but far enough away for a basic color introdu uh, introduction for the basic 14 line that seems cool for spring. I guess, I, I just feel like... They're specifically only offering it on the 14s, likely because these are not selling very well anyway. That's all we've heard from supply chains and from reports surrounding the regular iPhone 14s. Even day one, even when it first came out, uh, 14 plus production had to be halted due to lack of orders. Um, and I, I doubt they're changing much up um, from the yellow iPhone. <laughs> Similar to camera updates on the iPhone, faster chips on the Macs have diminishing returns. That's true. 
the three nanometer sounds like it should be a reasonable jump, but again, it's still a diminishing return because it's like, okay, we're, we're getting a jump on something that already is not that bad. You know, there's very few people that I think are maxing out their M1 and M2 chips. Very few people that are annoyed or complaining about the the battery life or the peak speeds of their M2 Pro or M2 Max chips. So, okay, we can get those even faster with M3, get a little bit better battery life, but is it night and day difference? No, it's I don't think probably ever or in the next five to ten years we're, we're going to see another jump as major as the switch from Intel to Apple Silicon. That was a pretty massive improvement, and I just don't see another architecture reformatting that's going to result in that large of an efficiency gain. Um, M5, uh, sorry, not M5, 3 nanometer from 5 nanometer will be a little bit better, but it's probably like a 20% gain, which isn't nothing, but not like, you know, game changing or anything like we got with Apple Silicon, where it was more of like a twice the battery life with twice the performance or more than twice the performance on the MacBook Airs in particular. Um, but that's a good point, Alan. Thank you. Uh, do I think the MacBook Air 15-inch will flop like the 14 Plus? I think it all comes down to how they price it. I could very, very easily imagine a scenario where they price it bad, and therefore it just becomes a decoy model, and all it does is make the new MacBook Pros look good because they only cost a little bit more, and they have way better speakers, way better displays, way better ports. Um, if that ends up happening, then it could flop. But if they price it in a reasonable bracket, uh, I could see it selling really well. I personally know a lot of people that absolutely wanted the larger MacBooks, but didn't need them for the performance. And like I've said before, there's a growing uh, desire for, I think, I think there's a growing increase for the number of people that can live with the MacBook Air because the MacBook Air is faster than it's ever been. And it's not like all these same professionals will always need to buy MacBook Pros because for a lot of professionals that used to need you know, an Intel-based 13-inch or six or 15-inch MacBook Pro, they can now get faster performance on an Air, save themselves money, and have a thinner, lighter design, which might be important to them. Um, so I think for a, a growing percentage of the population, the M2 Pro and M2 Max chips are going to get progressively more overkill, and there's going to be a greater number of people that are like, I don't need that much speed. I don't care about having that much performance or having 120 hertz. I just need a big laptop that's reasonably fast. It can edit videos or compile code or write music in a, in a decent um, caliber. And I think M3 chip, of course, will be roughly 20% faster than the M2, which is already pretty dang fast and will maybe get roughly 20% better battery life. So for a lot of people, that M3 15-inch MacBook Air will be a very massive improvement from the 15-inch Intel MacBook Pro they were last using. But they still get the same screen size, and they get about the same I.O. They get their MagSafe back if they care about MagSafe. But, um, you know, the people upgrading from those previous MacBook Pros, they don't have SD card slots. They don't have uh, HDMI ports. So maybe that's not as important to them if they've kind of gotten used to going all in on Type-C and everything. I'm thinking of my sister in particular. My sister does some video editing work, and uh, she has a Intel MacBook Pro from 2017. Um, and she got it when it was just new and refreshed and that was the best uh, macbook available at the time but now i'm thinking about it and i'm like yeah her macbook's probably 
uh, five, six years old. Does she need a MacBook Pro again if she's used to doing Type-C for everything? Uh, she mostly is editing video for online uh, clients, which means that the footage is sent to her over the cloud. Not um, She's not like filming as much with SD cards and importing them. Um, so for someone like her, I'm visualizing, yeah, she appreciates the bigger screen. Um, and she, of course, will want something faster than what she currently has, but probably with better battery life. 15-inch MacBook Air might be perfect for someone like her. Um, and it won't cost as much as a 16-inch MacBook Pro, at least. Uh, I mean, if she really, if she asks me and says she really wants the higher refresh rate or the better speakers or something, then I would encourage her to find a refurbished or discounted 16-inch MacBook Pro because I've seen the M1 Pro variants go down to, I think, like, under 2000 But again, that's why I say the 15-inch MacBook Air, it all comes down to the price. If it's $1,800, I could see it flopping, but if it's like $1,600 or $1,500, I think it could do really, really well, because that's actually, like, competitive. I'm sorry, I'm going to blow my nose real quick to put that mental image in your head. Excuse me. I would love an orange iPhone in the future. I think I also would have preferred a spicy orange over the yellow, but... I think uh, I'm happy for the for the yellow iPhone fan fan base out there because there's some people that just really really like that color. Uh, I'm thinking of Nikias Molina, who's kind of associated the whole yellow thing with his brand, and uh, I think that he has to buy it. I don't think none of you should buy it, but um, he has to. Like he's the Apple guy and the lemon guy and the yellow guy. Like everything is yellow associated with his brand. Um, that's just iconic for him. Let's see. I like to torture myself and like pain because I refuse to buy a new MacBook Pro. My current is mid-year 2012. Wow, iPad Pro from here on out. Magic Keyboard for when I want the laptop feel. Hats off to Tommy Parker. No, I, I don't think you... I mean, I don't know how painful it is, but I respect anyone that can make a machine work for that long. I, I envy you. Um, has spicy orange. I'm not making that up. That's what they called one of their old uh, Apple Watch bands. Apple used to sell a watch band. I forget which one, but it was uh, it was called Spicy Orange, and it was like a very vibrant orange. And I thought that would have been cool on an iPhone, the Minion phone, basically. I lost all my mid-year 2012 MacBook Pro. I used for a recording studio. I lost all of my clients, so there's no need for me to build the studio. That desire is gone. Oh, okay. Well, I hope you're still happy. <laughs> Sorry, the natural lighting is being very unreliable today because of the weird weather we're having. Uh, let's see. Outside of three main features, nothing really changed. Oh, I'm keeping the A15 and adding basically nothing on the 14 made it a forever bad value because of the 13. I'm kind of surprised they kept the 13, to be honest with you, because that is just so incredibly worse uh, deal. And that there's more similarities between two iPhones than there have ever been in history. Um, I know that there's some similarities, and a lot of people couldn't tell the difference between, you know, the 4 and the 4S or the 3G and the 3GS, but 13 to 14, same display, same notch, same chip even, same A15 chip, uh, same screen, 6.1 inches, uh, same lightning port, same speakers, same water resistance... So much recycled. Same camera arrangement, even. They couldn't even uh, mess with the cameras a little bit. They didn't even want to throw in macro mode on the ultra-wide, which I thought they were going to do. Like, my God. They they went ultra-lazy mode on the iPhone 14. 
the 14 plus is the only one that is, I guess, different from the 13, but it was, uh, so incredibly small. Um, let me see if maybe opening this curtain, I don't like the lighting is, this is why I should just keep using the iPhone 10. <laughs> they'll stop selling the 12 and 13 mini. I don't think they'll drop the iPhone 13 regular. That's going to be an incredible deal in my opinion, but I think that the reason they're probably okay with keeping the iPhone 13 is uh, USB-C, in my opinion, is going to devalue slash depreciate Lightning iPhones much faster than a typical iPhone would be. You know, right now, it's very easy for me. Yeah, the 13 Pros killed the value of the 14 Plus because Apple pretends they don't exist, but we all know they do. <laughs> They're like, the 13 what? What are you talking about? But the the charge port of the iPhone has only changed once. And once it's announced that it's changing again, and I think Apple will get kind of aggressive about the adoption of it, like they'll switch other things to Type-C fairly quickly, because once you admit that Lightning's on its way out, it makes very little sense to continue selling Lightning accessories. And also, customers are probably going to be less interested in buying more Lightning accessories if they know that the iPhone 15 lineup is switching to Type-C, which means everything is eventually switching to Type-C. So the value of... The iPhone 14, I don't think is going to be very high because people are going to know, hey, you're using a port that's on its way out. Kind of like how, um, yeah, Intel, like Luis Hernandez is saying, um, Intel Max depreciated and the demand for them dropped very quickly because Apple confirmed we're switching to our own silicon and our own silicon is going to be way, way, way better than Intel. So not that many people are going to be interested in spending that much money. If they do want an Intel Mac, they're not going to pay much for it because the new Apple Silicon Macs that are out are pretty reasonably priced and they're way faster, um, way better battery life. So, yeah, I uh, I think something very similar could happen with Type-C. We were talking about this during the member stream yesterday. A lot of people are like, no, the average consumer won't care. But um, I feel like... Type-C, like we talked about in previous streams, is definitely heavily sought out in the tech community, but it's also at the same time something that the average consumer will know about um, because it's something they probably will interact with on a daily basis, the charge port and how they charge their phone. Um, time for a new big update for iPad Pro, total makeover, just a bit of paint, and you one not an iPad is weird. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, we just got the M2 iPad Pro, so we're probably not going to get another iPad Pro until rumors right now are saying next year at some point. So we're probably still like over a year away from the next iPad Pro refresh. They don't get refreshed annually. Um, pretty much everything legally has to change to USB-C except 16-inch MacBooks, but they comply anyway. Uh, I think there is a there is part of the law that does mandate it on laptops. Um, after, I think, 2026, it's not 2024, but they just have to have a higher wattage uh, USB-C port so that the laptop can be charged through Type-C. But uh, that doesn't mean you can't have another one. It doesn't mean you can't have MagSafe. It just means you have to have Type-C, which is why, yes, theoretically, theoretically, sorry, if Apple got really crazy, they could actually just uh, put USB-C on the iPhone and have Lightning. You could just have both. Someone modified an iPhone to have both in a video, but knowing Apple, I just don't think they'll do that. Um, 
Forgot to ask your thoughts on made for iPhone for USB-C. I feel like we've talked about it before, but I'll remind everybody that the report was never, as far as I can tell, um, looking at the sources, looking at the leaks, there was never an indication that USB-C on the iPhone would only work with U uh, made for iPhone USB-C cables. First of all, Apple makes tons and tons of USB-C cables that are not technically made for iPhone because they're Type-C. Um, but they still work on Android phones, they work on iPads, they work on Macs. So the idea, the part of the report that people misunderstood and got crazy about um, is that Type-C would, there would be a made-for-iPhone program for Type-C, but it would only be required for higher data speeds or higher uh, charging speeds. It's not like the the cables or ports just would not work on the iPhone. They just won't get as good of speeds unless they're official made for Apple. So that could very easily be Apple calls it something special. I think OnePlus or Samsung or whoever, they call it like warp charge. So OnePlus already does this, and I don't see that many people upset about it. But if you use the special OnePlus warp charger included brick or whatever that charges the OnePlus way faster than a third-party charge brick and USB-C cable does. I don't know why people would expect Apple to be any different. Of course, Apple would also come up with something. Maybe they'll call it supercharged because they like that terminology. But you'll be able to supercharge the iPhone 15 if you use a made-for-iPhone USB-C cable. But if you use any other USB-C cable, it, it's limited to 10 watts or 15 watts or something else. But I, I think there were way too many people misunderstanding the report and trying to make up a story that I don't see any evidence of. Um, Apple's never done that with anything. They've switched to type C. Like we don't have, um, we don't have made for iPad program. We don't have made for a Mac program. Whereas the iPads and Macs will only use accessories that are made by Apple. I've used this exact USB-C cable and Samsung SSD with my iPad for thumbnails and I use it on my Mac every day and it works fine. Um, the iPads switch to Type-C, and they still work with third-party cables, no problem. Um, so that's what I that's what I don't understand about uh, those reports. Is For some reason, they think it would suddenly change with the iPhone, opposed to all these iPads that are switching. Um, if, another, if another company does it, nobody cares. If Apple does it, then everybody loses. Then everyone loses their minds! <laughs> yeah. I was just watching a Heath Ledger deepfake thing. It's cool. Um, the average person will know that Google chargers now work on new iPhones. I do feel like that's a bigger than usual deal. Like if we're just talking about camera upgrades, yeah, average consumers aren't going to know. They just might think 14 Pro, that's a higher number and it says Pro, so it's probably a newer camera. Or someone will hear about 3 nanometer architecture. No, average consumer's not going to care about the chip in the phone. They're not really going to care about the, the display nits or the high refresh rate or something. Um, they may notice it, but they don't really care all that much. But what port is on the phone, and if their old accessories will not work, but their new ones will, that's, I think, going to be the headlining change. I think that's going to capture uh, more eyes and gather more attention than anything. So that's probably going to go viral across everything when the iPhone 15 is announced. Um, tons of people are going to report on it, and it's going to be really popular on Twitter, and people get really mad about e-waste, and, uh, oh, my old lightning cables don't work, I hate Apple now, and then they get over it in a week. Um, or less. 
but uh, yeah, that that will probably be the biggest story is that iPhones and Androids are going to have the same connector. So that big story that will probably become fairly well known fairly quickly for anyone that's aware of the new iPhone that came out. For anyone that's in the future in the market for a new iPhone, I think that's more likely to be prioritized than any other feature. I don't think people are going to, if they're buying secondhand, like maybe I do on like eBay or something, um, then they'll notice like, uh, okay, this phone, they're not going to care about this. Does this phone get dynamic Island? Does this phone get face ID? Maybe a little bit of that stuff, but for the most part, like, well, that iPhone has the older connector that isn't going to be around anymore. Like Apple's phasing that out. Do you want to buy a new phone, new to you phone? in 2023 or 2024 that has a connector that Apple themselves has admitted they're, they're transitioning away from. Um, yeah. The light and thin MacBook Air 13-inch wish for the release of the MacBook 12-inch is dead, even though they released HomePod 2 with no big change in concept. I wouldn't give up hope. I mean, there's been several rumors brewing about the 12-inch MacBook. I can't say I've read nothing about it. I've read more about the possibility of a 12-inch MacBook coming back than I have about a foldable iPhone. I'll admit that. There's the all of the all of the reports on the foldable iPhone have gone quiet. I've not heard anything recently. Is Dynamic Island worth it? I have a 13 Pro. Okay, I I'm biased as someone that really liked my 13 Pro and is now downgraded to the iPhone 10, but I will at least say this. Every person I've talked to who has gotten a 14 Pro has told me that they don't really notice or care about the Dynamic Island all that much. They say it's like a little bit different and it's a little bit unique and it's kind of cool at first, but then after a while you just kind of forget about it and it blends into the background. I have not seen anyone that's just like fallen in love and uses the Dynamic Island all the time. Like, yeah, that's what the chat's saying too. <laughs> like, keep the 13 Pro. No, it's not worth it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's worth it. Uh, Wrapped Corn says, do you ever see yourself going to a 6.1-inch screen? It's kind of like an annoying screen size to me. I've tried them. I reviewed the 12 Pro, which was my first 6.1-inch iPhone. And I'm a weird guy because I, 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 I kind of like saturated and I like going all in on things. You know, when I downgrade, I downgrade hard. Or when I, <laughs> when I uh, want a color, I want it to be as blackety black as possible or as uh you know pearl white as possible you know really saturated go all in on things when i upgrade my macbook pro i go eight terabytes of storage non-binned m1 max i go all out with it um so i found when i used the 6.1 inch iphone that it was not small enough to be portable and and really compact but not big enough to feel like a phablet and I like either of those. I've, I've really enjoyed big giant phones like the 13 Pro Max, but I've also enjoyed really compact phones like the 12 mini. And the 6.1 inch phones to me just feel like the worst of both, which is weird, I know, because most people prefer the 6.1 inch phones. And I've seen a ton of people. Uh, statistically, I, I think those sell the best. That's what most people are comfortable with. But I, I just find them like, you're not you're not compact enough for me to say, ah, yes, this is comfortable and easy to use in one hand, but you're not big enough to feel like, okay, I get a lot of information out of this screen. Um, so it, it, we're, we all have different sized hands and different preferences, but I really like smaller phones, and I feel like um, this is a really great form factor to have something much smaller than 6.1 inches, but also with a rounded chassis so it feels comfortable in the hand. 
I would argue that if you're going to have a squared off chassis, you should take it with the mini iPhone, like the 13 mini, because that phone is so light and so small that even though it has the sharper squared off edges, it doesn't cut into your hands very much because it's so weightless. It, it's so light. Um, but I was watching with the channel members last night. It was kind of funny. We scrolled all the way back and found uh, my iPhone 6 unboxing video. And it was really cringy and really embarrassing and really old. Um, but in that video, that was my first uh, iPhone with biometrics. That was my first 1080p iPhone. Um, my first phone of any kind. I never had a flip phone. But my first phone of any kind was the iPhone 5. And I kept that until the iPhone 6 came out. And then I upgraded to the 6 Plus. And watching that old video, which is like over 8 years old now... In that video, I said, I really like the iPhone 6 because it has this rounded design and that feels more comfortable in my hand. And my iPhone 5, keep in mind, iPhone 5 was smaller than the 13 mini. I said in that video that the iPhone 5 cuts into my hands because it has sharper corners. So if you are going to have a squared off edge design, I think you're best off going with the smaller compact for the sake of comfort. Unless you just, you want a giant phablet, then I guess you don't have too many options because... Um, the biggest iPhone screens are on the 13 and 14 Pro Max. Uh, and then you've got squared edges on those, so there's not really a way to work around it. Yeah, 1080p in your pocket. I, I thought that was a big deal. At the time, for an iPhone, that was a first. Uh, I agree with the statement on the squared edges. The iPhone 12, I feel, is bigger than it should, probably because of that. <laughs> I have a 14 Plus and 13 Mini. Love both of them so much. Just wish they had a single lens, 48 megapixel. What interesting, Brent. I have not seen anyone have that combo. Why why both? Tommy says I like big phones. Smaller phones irritate me, but I don't hate the smaller phones for anyone with them. I but I like bigger phones for myself. That's fair. We all have different preferences. I see the ap appeal to both. That's why I did like a seven minute skit a couple of years ago in 2020 when I was I reviewed both the 12 mini and the 12 Pro Max, and I was really split because I loved both of those phones. I could easily see myself living with either, and I like big phones, and I cannot lie, and I like small phones. I just don't like those weird middle ground phones like the 6.1 inches. But this, to me, still feels um, very compact. It feels smaller than the 12 Pro and also way more comfortable. But also, this was just a convenient downgrade to me because this is the phone my mom is using. I also Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No to think it was a significant iPhone in Apple's history, so it's cool to revisit it and go back to it. Um, but yeah, I, I would be fine if they made a rounded off smaller phone than this, you know, mini iPhone with uh, rounded chassis. I guess the closest thing I would get to that is the SE. I might end up switching to the SE2 in the future because that's the phone my um, my wife is currently on. So that would also be a easy older phone to review in the future if we want to go back that way. Um, iPhone 10 is the best iPhone ever made. I mean, obviously that's a weird question, uh, Ibrahim, because... Obviously, if you're just going on what phone has the best features, then every year there's going to be a newer iPhone with better features than the one before it. So we can easily just say the newest iPhone is the best iPhone pretty much every year. I mean, if you're asking me right now what is the best iPhone, I think my answer would still be 14 Pro Max. That's got the best camera in any iPhone. That's got the best. Honestly, that's my answer for best smartphone. Um, I know that's a personal preference thing, and uh, not everybody agrees with me, but I think iPhones have a better emphasis on software with iOS and, and longevity and resale value than any Android. I've not seen any other Android phone that holds its value or gets as many years of software support as an iPhone does, and I think that's important. So if there's someone out there, uh, and there have been, there's been several people that I've talked to that they don't need it to be cheap. They're just like, I want a really great iPhone. That I, I want, sorry, not an iPhone. I just want a really great phone that will last me a really long time, that has the best of the best hardware available, then yeah, I'm still going to say 14 Pro Max because, okay, it's not the best value. There's cheaper iPhones you can buy that are 95, 98% the same experience. But if you just want the best of the best, yeah, 14 Pro Max has got the always-on display. If you care about that, it's got the 48-megapixel sensor, which is basically the best sensors they've ever made. But yeah, my whole last video is basically talking about um, why I don't think people should prioritize camera all that much and, uh, just best phone overall 14 pro max. But I think what you were asking, because that answer is obvious, you're probably asking what the like best for the time upgrade was. And in my mind, um, the biggest year over year upgrade was the iPhone 10. I don't think we will ever get a year over year upgrade as massive as that. Um, there was just so many changes all at once. We changed the biometric, the display uh, changed in aspect ratio, it switched to OLED, it switched to wireless charging, upgraded cameras, upgraded chip. Um, yeah, I got more RAM, it switched to stainless steel, uh, glossy on the sides, and uh, the the resolution was never higher, you know, super retina, they got rid of the home button, so the navigation was all different. Um, there was just so many changes all at one time, and I feel like everything after iPhone 10 is just incremental. Uh, minor year-over-year -year upgrades, but they don't fundamentally change the way you use your phone that much. And I guess that's what I was kind of trying to prove a lot with downgrading to my iPhone 10 was like, this uh, was the last like major refresh and everything else is just minute little uh, minor tweak there, minor corner curve here, slightly different chassis. Um, it got a software update. The 5S is probably the best if long-term support is important. I mean, it did get a lot of years of support, but we don't know uh, how many years the current iPhones are going to get. Um, no, I, d I don't necessarily agree. I think Face ID is more passive than under-display fingerprint scanning. Um, there's a lot of situations where fingerprint scanning is not 
as reliable, but I think face ID is a lot more passive. Like you don't think about it. You just, you have to look at your phone, but with under display fingerprint readers, you have to touch the display in a very specific way, in a very specific place. You know, there was talk in the early days that maybe we'll get to a point where the entire display is a fingerprint reader. So it doesn't matter where you touch it or how you touch it. But, um, yeah, we never really got there. I guess that was just too expensive. Uh, for me, the best iPhone of all time is the 4, just because it's iconic and was ahead of its time with its design and stuff and focused both on street software and hardware. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have that long-term love of the 4. I just, I never had it. I mean, I was I was around. I was following the tech community when it came out. I thought, okay, this is cool. It's new. But um, I think people just have a lot of nostalgia for it. I, I don't think it's really objectively measured um, as a massive upgrade. It was just, it was just different from all the curvy iPhones of the past, but then they kind of ditched the squared off edge design a couple generations later. So I don't know how we can necessarily say it's ahead of its time to me, squared off versus rounded is just kind of fashion trends. It's like, Oh, that's what's in right now. Oh, that's out of style. Now it's back in style. Cause you know, we've had several generations of squared off iPhone. Now we're kind of like, you know, this isn't necessarily the most comfortable. I think I want to go back to rounded. So that rounded is probably going to make a comeback. And, um, yeah, when you're wearing gloves, Touch ID doesn't work, but Face ID does work when wearing a mask, um, even though less people are wearing masks. It was updated in iOS to work when wearing sunglasses. That's true. I, I can prove that. Um, even on the iPhone X, this is... Frankie, enter in the picture. Oh, my God. I got to try out the iPhone X. Um, it just unlocked in case you... All right. Unlock. Ta-da. It's gone. See, even with the glasses on, it's a bit more passive, and I think it's a bit more... I'm kind of disappointed Face ID hasn't become more uh, accessible. Like, it's gotten very good, to be honest. Like, it does work with a mask, and it does work with glasses and stuff. Good morning, Christian, and thanks for joining us. Um, but I feel like there's more overhead. Like, um, if we got the dot projectors or the IR cameras and stuff to be more ultra-wide... And Face ID worked from a wider variety of, of angles, then it would be cool if my phone could be flat on a table like it is right now, like, you know, like this, and I could just tap it. And even though I'm not like holding it in the very specific way, it could still unlock. I think that would be cool. Um, but they haven't really, maybe it's not as easy to make it more ultra wide as I think. Um, but yeah, they haven't done that, unfortunately. Apple should put Face ID on more products. I think they're comfortable with upselling it as a pro feature because it definitely costs more than a typical Touch ID sensor. But um, on the iPad Pro, it forces me to get too close to see me, and it is often slow, not great. Really, that's interesting. Face ID has always worked really well for me on my iPad. Even the 2018, I'm still using it. And, um, yeah, it still uh, works from pretty far away. And I was very grateful because for a time, before the 2018 iPad Pro came out, there was a concern that um, it wouldn't work in landscape mode, which annoyed me because I thought iPad Pros were mostly used in landscape mode, so I was frustrated by that, but then they found a way to make it work. And now, newer iPhones, I think the iPhone 12 and later can do Face ID in landscape, but um, my iPhone 10 cannot. I'm trying to right now, and it's not working. But honestly, landscape on the iPhone has been so heavily deprioritized um, like it just, 
there's there's hardly any UI that works in landscape anyway, and even the UI that does work in landscape is not very good because of the aspect ratio. Just iOS isn't really well made for it. So it's cool that Face ID works works in landscape on the new iPhones, but it's honestly like okay, even if you unlock it that way, you're still gonna have to use the phone in portrait anyway. Uh, let's see, where are the Macs with Face ID? Apple had a response to it because that did come up when people when the MacBook uh, 2021 MacBook Pros came out, there were interviews with Apple executives and they were like, hey, why didn't you put Face ID on the Mac? And their response was very PR friendly and very, uh, uh, you know, sidestepping the issue. I think the reason is that Face ID sensors are much bigger than typical webcam sensors. And if you look at how thin the display lid is on a MacBook, um, it's very, very thin, and it's honestly really difficult to stuff cameras up there, which is why it took them so long to get 1080p. And even though we have 1080p on the webcam, it's still not as good as the 1080p on an iPad front-facing camera. Um, or, you know, why can't it be 4K? iPads can, iPhones can fit 4K front-facing cameras, and they look great. Why can't you put that in the MacBook? It's the space. If you look at teardowns and stuff and how big the sensors are, how big the camera modules are, that's the truthful answer as to why they don't have Face ID, but Apple's answer on their interviews and stuff was that Touch ID just makes more sense on Macs because Macs are not touchscreen devices. you got to interact with the mouse and the keyboard, so their logic is your hands are going to be down there anyway. It's faster to just rest your finger there and it unlocks. And the less PR answer, more truthful answer that I actually agree with Apple on is that you would need some way to verify the payment anyway, right? Just like on... Uh, when we do Apple Pay on our phones or with our iPads with Face ID, when you activate, when the little prompt comes up to pay with Apple Pay, you have to double-click the side button or double-click the power button or whatever. On a Mac, you would still have to do that, right? If an Apple Pay option came up on Safari, you would have to press some button twice. You would probably be pressing the escape button or something, uh, or the space bar. Press the space bar twice or press the escape button twice and that will activate Face ID. But if you have to use your finger to touch the keyboard anyway, then, I don't know, it's probably a ton of work to try to build in Face ID into a very, very display, a very very thin display, and it wouldn't really change the experience all that much. On desktops, there's less of an excuse. I feel like, okay, but it would just be kind of nice to sit down at an iMac or sit down at a studio display, and it just looks at you and unlocks. I don't... I don't think that's too much to ask. They've definitely got the space for it, but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't want the desktops to have too many advantages over their laptop competitors because Apple knows that laptops sell at higher volume. So I don't know. I, I would still like it. I, I wouldn't be against it for the record. I, I prefer Face ID to Touch ID, but Touch ID works fairly reliably and fairly well for me on my MacBook. But um I wouldn't, let's just say I wouldn't upgrade my Mac just to have Face ID, but like, especially people that do animation and 3D modeling, which there are in the Mac community, um, it would be cool to have a true depth camera system, maybe a beefier one, you know, like what, whatever true depth camera system they have on the 14 Pros, you know, that one is ultra wide, it's 12 megapixels and it supports 4K at 60 recording. And you've got the true depth camera with the you know, infrared blaster and the IR cameras and stuff. If you were doing like facial tracking for animation in whether it's game development or movie development, short films and stuff, it'd be cool to just have a sensor built into that you could tap into for uh, professionals. I could see that being a, 
a more pro end feature. Maybe you put that you put that in the pro display XDR, but you don't put it in the studio display. Eh, eh. That way you can justify charging six grand for it. Because well, if you really wanted a face tracking camera that went along with your Mac or PC, that that in the third party world costs thousands of dollars. But we're including it on the pro display XDR for free. So when you really weigh it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I just need to hydrate. Can you imagine if they started adding a camera bump to MacBooks? Ugh. You say that, honestly, it wouldn't be as stupid, in my opinion, as... No, that's pretty stupid, actually. <laughs> Never mind. I was like, well, you know, we don't set our MacBooks down on tables the way that we set down our iPads and iPhones, you know. Those, when they got... And they got camera bumps on them. They wobble back and forth and stuff. But with the Mac, if you put it on the back of the display lid, that, that wouldn't really intrude on much. It would look a little awkward, I guess. But you'd have a little built-in tripod. So if you wanted to film something or you're doing a call or presentation, you just want to record something. Honestly, it's not terribly... Uh, useless as the crazy iPad cameras... Like, the, the they put ProRes video recording support on the iPad. Who is doing that? Who wants to record ProRes iPad footage? Like, I find that pretty useless. So putting a camera on the back of the MacBook, I, I wouldn't feel that differently, I guess. I'd be like, yeah, that probably isn't very useful and not that many people are going to do anything with it. But there's probably 2% of buyers that might actually find use out of that um, doing a presentation or something and you want to record it on the rear camera document scanning with your macbook you just hold the document behind it and it takes a picture i don't know maybe they i mean i'm just trying to think of something because they're clearly running out of things they they redesigned the macbooks that we've got apple silicon on them now they've got great specs they've got great displays mini led is fantastic and the high refresh rate is wonderful the speakers are great i'm like okay where else can you go with this is it just going to turn into that's that's kind of why I'm okay reviewing older and older tech, you know, because I feel like we can uh, have more things to talk about and still keep it on topic because I think most of us here are interested in Apple coverage and interested in Apple um, of availability. And this kind of showcases a new market that we didn't always talk about, which is the secondhand market, which is where you can find really great hardware for very cheap. And honestly, I, I completely agree with what Marquez said about budget phones, which is that you're better off buying an old flagship than you are a new budget phone. The old flagships, honestly, are really, really good. And I haven't even scratched the surface on Android. Android phones depreciate so fast. They lose their resale value way, way faster than iPhones do. And that makes the secondhand market for Androids even way better than iPhones. Like, if, if, you're, uh, if you don't like iOS or iPhones for whatever reason... Fine, it's you can have your opinions. I got no problem with that. They're wrong, but no, <laughs> I got no issue with that. But if you if you look at like S twenty one Ultra now, you can find those for like sub four hundred bucks, and that phone was over a thousand dollars just two years ago, basically. Um, I feel like that would be useless with the advent of continuity camera. Yeah, that's true. It would be pretty useless. But I, I'm the same guy that has said that uh, because I love continuity cameras so much, I'd be okay if they got rid of the webcam on MacBooks. But everyone said that was everyone said I was stupid and crazy for suggesting such a thing. Um, 
it would be a front-facing camera, but would a hump in the lid at the back to make room for it? Uh, honestly, I feel like there's an elegant way they could do that. I, I don't think they would. It doesn't sound like Apple, but leaving the front of the MacBook display flat, obviously, because it needs to close, but then having a little bump on the back to accommodate for the larger sensor... It wouldn't just be a, a circle in a bump just coming out of the aluminum, just like a weird protrusion, but just a little, like, hump, just a really graceful, subtle hump on the back. I could, like, almost see that working. And just kind of blend it in, make it really graceful, say, like, sand it down so that it's not like a jagged, you know, cut out the back, but um, let's see. New Mac Pro might be announced really soon as Mac Studio with M1 Ultra shipping time has increased to three weeks. That would make sense that they wouldn't have an M... I don't think that Mac Studio is going to get refreshed, but yeah, I think that if they were stopping production of M1 Ultra since... Oh, that's actually a really good point because M1 Ultra is basically just two M1 Maxes stitched together, but they're not really... Now they're introducing the M2 Max, so... Does that mean they still need to keep manufacturing the M1 Max? I guess they do for the Mac Studio. Mac Studio has M1 Max, but that's the only Mac still using M1 Max. So maybe they have enough of those built up. But does that mean if if they have an M1 Max assembly line, maybe they don't want to keep an M1 Ultra assembly line going because that complicates manufacturing further, whereas the Mac Pro, which is rumored to get the M2 Ultra, they need to focus on that. And the MacBooks have already switched to M2 Max. So, yeah, that actually makes sense that... Uh, if the rumors are true about the Mac Pro dropping in the next couple months, um, M1 Ultra shipping time would be affected, I guess. Uh, let's see. Drew just stared into our souls for a second there. I did, Jackson. It's so tempting to upgrade iPhones every year, which is what I did for two years now since earning my own money. Your videos made me appreciate what I have now. Thank you for that. Well, thank you, Sorgak. I, I'm glad to hear that. I, I hope to be a positive influence on people. Um... Christian, don't get Twitter blue. It's not worth it. I'm honestly not in love with what Elon's done with Twitter recently, recently but um, that's a whole different topic. I really hope the studio is just skipping M2 and will come an M3 cycle and that it's not a one-off like iMac Pro. I hope so. I would really prefer that. I just can't visualize a scenario where the Mac Studio gets a better chip or a newer chip than the Mac Pro does. I don't think they need, like, two desktop towers for pros. If you want to have one desktop tower that's really cheap for everyday people like the Mac Mini, yeah, that's great. M2 Mac Mini, I think, is a great buy for a lot of people, especially the lower-end ones. Um, but the even the refurbished M1 Mac Minis are still a great buy, honestly. Uh, but instead of... Uh, if the Mac Mini's not enough for you and you need more I.O. or, or better professional-grade silicon, then, okay, now there's a Mac Studio, which I really like. I personally don't like the big, giant tower approach. I don't think that's necessary in the age of ARM architectures being as powerful and as efficient as they are. So I'm okay with just that. I'd be okay if they basically... I mean, for one, I don't... The Cheese Grater Mac Pro we got in 2019, I don't think they should have called that the Mac Pro, to be honest. I thought... That was going after a completely different market than the Mac Pro used to serve. You know, the Mac Pro that it was replacing started at $3,000, the trash can. And if you maxed that out, it would get to about $6,000. 
the new Mac Pro started at $6,000 and went up to $50,000. So I'm like, why are you considering this the same category? Why is this the same market? To me, it was not the same market at all. I was like, that should have gotten a different name. I would have called that the Mac Enterprise or something. You know, something that's clearly mostly meant for businesses with very large budgets, with very specific workflows that needed all the modularity and upgradability and just go overkill with it, the, or the the Mac Ultra, you know, whatever you want to call it, something above Pro. I didn't think they should have, because you know, imagine if we had our iPhones like we do now. 14 Pro is probably the most common one, right? Let, let's just use that as an example. It starts at a thousand dollars, and if you max out the 14 Pro, it's like fifteen hundred dollars, right, with the one terabytes or sixteen hundred. What if the 15 Pro? was the same 6.1 inches but it started at $1600 and maxed out at uh $10,000. Would you call that just the new 15 Pro? No. If it was some crazy iPhone with I don't know some super fancy camera and it's made of titanium or it has some crazy feature that the 14 Pro doesn't have or something. Um then okay, call that the 15 Ultra or call that the 15 Max or something. You know, give it different naming. So I was all in favor of the cheese grater Mac Pro being called something else other than Mac Pro. The Mac Studio that we got a couple of years ago, to me, that is a, what the Mac Pro should have been. That's like starts at 2000 maxed out around 8000 Yeah, okay, it's got more ports than the Mac Mini. It's way faster than pretty much any other Mac available. Um so that that's what the Mac Pro used to be was just like the the tower for people who needed a little bit more performance. The whole twenty thousand fifty thousand dollar Mac thing I, that needs its own category. I don't think we should call that a a Mac Pro, but that's what they called it. And then they came out with the Mac Studio, which was for the studio, I guess. And I I think that's better, but um, I have a bad feeling about it uh, that it's a stopgap. Um, I'm getting very similar vibes to the iMac Pro. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, though. The Mac Pro rumors still make no sense, and I don't believe them at all. I think if you're following Apple closely, they actually make a lot of sense. If you understand how Tim Cook is the master of moving inventory. Um, Apple explained, I don't usually watch him, but he did a great doc documentary on Tim Cook in his history at Apple before he was CEO. And he talks a lot about how he handles production lines and how he streamlined manufacturing for Apple, and that's still kind of one of his strengths and there's downsides to it, but there's upsides to it. Like Tim has been very good at finding ways to recycle old designs and sell them at a profit or sell them at a budget. You know, the iPhone SE or the Apple watch SE or the budget iPad. Those were all Tim cook things. Those were not Steve jobs things. Um, Tim cook was the one to figure out like, Hey, these iPads without laminated displays that use our old iPad air bodies. We can, reuse existing assembly lines and sell this for way less or we can reuse the iphone 8 assembly line update the chip and then sell it at a discount sell it for cheaper than the iphone 8 was selling so that's what tim is very much known for that's why we're still hearing about a m3 13 inch macbook pro that still probably has the touch bar it's because they're recycling a design that they've had for the past like six seven years now it's just so cheap because they've been building that same design for so long that they just throw a new chip in there and keep selling it for 1300 bucks because people will buy it. So if you follow Apple closely, recycling the existing Mac Pro, because for one, it makes sense to me that they wouldn't keep uh, redesigning the Mac Pro because they probably spent a lot of time and money on the assembly line for this Mac Pro and not that many people bought it. So they're likely targeting a 
completely different um, market uh, with the Mac Pro because it they realized that the the cost of operations don't justify the margins. I'm sure the Mac Pro has really great profit margins for Apple, but if like less than a hundred are sold a month, then all of the money of building the assembly line, hiring the employees to make the computers and design all that, it's it's not making that much money for them, even if the margins are good. So I think their process that the thought process that Tim is probably having that Mark Gurman's report uh, corroborate what's the term confirms. <laughs> can't use that word uh doesn't confirm but uh points to um is that they've already spent a lot of money on the mac pro design and the assembly line and the factory and everything so the thought process is let's just reuse as much of it as we can we just take out the intel part and throw in the m2 ultra which is the fastest apple silicon ever made Sure, it's probably not that much faster than M1 Ultra, but still, it's technically faster, um, which means it's obviously much faster than the Intel Mac Pro that it's replacing. We just slap our new silicon in there and then call it a day and sell it for probably less than what the current Mac Pro is selling for. Or at least it doesn't max out as high. It probably won't spec up to 50 grand anymore. Maybe it specs up to 15 or 20 grand, which is still crazy, but... Um, that's what all the reports are pointing to is just them throwing a new chip in there, which is kind of what a lot of Tim Cook's career entails. Yeah, just throw a new chip in there. <laughs> Keep the design, upgrade the chip, call it a day. Um, Apple Genius had the audacity to call my MacBook Pro vintage, even though it's the same design. <laughs> well, on the outside, maybe, but on the inside, it's probably a very different design. Um, let's see. Mac Pro is just the server today. I think it will be ended gas because of some excuse after update of the next studio. I think what's more likely is they're going to keep the Mac Pro discontinue the studio because the studio probably doesn't have as great a margins, but if they price the Mac Pro a little bit lower, maybe it starts at 5,000 instead of 6,000 and it comes with a decent amount of storage. You know, the Mac Studio comes with 512 gigs. I don't think the Mac Pro should start with 256, which is what it currently starts with. Um, and that will result in, uh, probably the margins being a bit better because now they don't have to pay for those super expensive AMD graphics cards, or they don't have to pay for the Intel processors and the crazy Ram prices and all that. Um, Mac Pro factory was moved from the U S I read a news story about this. Not true. I didn't hear that, but I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. I wouldn't be shocked by that, Martin, because as far as I can tell, I think volume for the Mac Pro is incredibly low. Um, I don't, especially since they announced Apple Silicon, which that's the funny thing, is they announced Apple Silicon like months after the Mac Pro started shipping. The Mac Pro shipped at the very end of 2019, and then in summer of 2020, they said, actually, we're switching away from Intel because Intel sucks, and our chips are way better. Who was going to spend 20, 50 grand on a Mac Pro once they knew the Apple Silicon transition had begun. That was delaying everyone's big purchase calls. And sure, some YouTubers bought the Mac Pro and maybe some big movie studios bought a couple, but that's not a high-volume market. And um, I doubt that that many people have been buying them over the last couple of years. So uh, manufacturing in the U.S. just objectively costs way more than it does in China or wherever you want to build, India or Taiwan or Indonesia, wherever you want to build. 
Uh, U.S. is very expensive, not just because of the cost of labor, but also just because of the supply chain in the U.S. is not well set up for electronics. That's um, very fascinating layout of uh, China, Chinese factories. The reason, by the way, that um, it's so cheap to build things in China is not just because of the cost of labor, but yes, cost of labor is much lower. It's because all of the transistors, the microcontrollers and the chips and the fabrication plants are all incredibly close together in those dense urban environments in China, which means that all of the touchscreens and all of the panels and all of the chips and the little little tiny things, you know, when you open up an iPhone, you see all these little micro things, all of those circuit boards and stuff are all made within a very, very tight radius in China. So even if you build a Mac Pro factory, what does that actually mean? Like, do they, how much of those parts are actually built in the factory or is it just being assembled there? Um, the truth is, even if they build the Mac Pro in the U.S., which they have for the past few generations, um, they still have to import the vast majority of the microcontrollers and the chips from China. They have to order all those components, ship them halfway across the world, and then deliver them and then unload them from the trucks and then take them apart and then assemble them again. So that's why uh, it's so cheap to build things in China, just because they have a very, very localized supply chain. It's not just the labor, but yeah. Uh, was the iMac Pro discontinued when the trash can Mac Pro launched? Wait, what? The trash can Mac Pro launched in 2013. The iMac Pro launched in 2017. I'm not sure what you mean. iMac Pro was discontinued, um, I think a couple of years ago. They were selling it untouched for a long time, though. Wonder how numbers for the Mac Pro compare with the likes of the Lenovo ThinkStation. I have no idea, but yeah, it, it, I feel like they probably serve very different markets because if you're buying a Lenovo ThinkStation, you're probably using some software or something that is mostly open source or compatible with Windows at least. Whereas if you're buying the Mac Pro, it's because you're using an application or doing something that justifies Mac OS or Mac OS is good at it. So um, even if the performance is completely different, then uh, there's a completely different markets so even if the thing station is way faster it doesn't really matter because it's probably going for different people uh wouldn't it make more sense to use the studio box for the mac pro not if you're trying to charge more for it and reuse the design and also i think the the purpose of the mac pro at least the current design which they plan on recycling i guess is to have a certain amount of um Modules, modules hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hilarity to it. Again, it's arm. Again, this is why I don't think the Mac Pro is going to be that exciting is because it's like trying to pitch itself as modular. But I don't think you're going to be able to upgrade the RAM, the CPU, or probably even the GPU. Maybe they come up with some tandem way for you to integrate use, I mean, to use the integrated GPU and use a discrete GPU simultaneously, but I doubt that, knowing Apple and how much they care about efficiency. I think it will mostly just be about, like, networking cards or maybe some PCIe slots for more local storage, but most people that need more than 8 terabytes are going to use NAS or servers that they can dock into anyway. Um... Uh, how do you feel about the solid state button rumors? I'm skeptical because it doesn't, I don't really have an issue with buttons on my phone or devices. Like uh, Randy on the tech podcast brought up an excellent point, which was that there was rumors for years that Apple would switch to a solid state uh, side button or digital crown on the Apple watch. They kept, we kept reading that Apple's working on a digital crown that just gives you haptic feedback, but it doesn't physically click. They kept saying that year after year after year, and it never happened. Um, so that's why he was skeptical of these reports. He's, he's like, we've heard this stuff before and it didn't work out, but there definitely seems to be a lot of sources that have gotten things right in the past, all collaborating and agreeing that yes, this is, this is what they're doing on the, at least the pro iPhones. Um, yeah, additional RAM would be slower. So that's why, uh, German said that the new Mac pro won't have user upgradable RAM. So I don't. I don't think people are going to be too happy with the new Mac Pro, to be honest. I, I think that Bloomberg is not always right, obviously, but I think that these agencies and these news sites have different sources depending on um, what division they're talking to. I don't think the guy telling them about the mixed reality headset is the same guy telling them about Apple Silicon. And all of their reports surrounding Apple Silicon have been incredibly accurate. They've been, like, spot on with... Uh, how many cores each chip is going to have, uh, what chips are in development, you know, the M2 Pro, M2 Max, and then M2 uh, M1 Ultra, all of those chips, they were spot on with like the, the dies being stitched together and, and fusing two Max chips together. Um, they've been really, really accurate about that, and they're the ones reporting that the Mac Pro is going to be the same design as now, just with M2 Ultra and some networking cards. Um yeah, thank you for the super chat, Chris Norton. Man, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm sorry you super chat so much to ask what we're talking about. I, but I appreciate it. Um, for those who don't know, I'm not. Sure, I might be implying a bit here, uh, a bit much here. But Chris Norton, I believe, might have a uh, uh, a vision disability, which is why he tends to ask uh, in the chat what people are talking about, is because he can't see the title or thumbnail. Um, and he, when he tunes into the live stream is just kind of catching the tail end of something. So yeah, we were talking about the Apple Silicon Mac pro Chris. Um, I don't know if he can see what you guys are saying or I could be wrong on that, but that's just something I was thinking might explain why, um, hope Apple will release the new studio display XDR soon. So the previous might become cheaper to buy. I'd be very curious to see like heavily depreciated 
Pro Display XDR. Like, how cheap could they get that? If, if it got, like, sub $2,000, I'd be very tempted because I would love a 32-inch display like that. That It's hard to find displays that look as clean as Apple's do. It's annoying. It's weird. I've, I've looked for years to try to find a monitor that's, you know, made of aluminum, that has the gloss and is reliable. Everyone talks about Eve monitors being super sketchy and having quality control problems and they still don't look as good as Apple's monitors even so but um, what benefit would solid state buttons bring though and it would probably cost more for Apple to make that's the thing I I feel like there's got to be a feature or a use case that Apple has in store for solid state buttons but I just haven't thought of it yet I haven't come up with it um, because I felt very similarly about the, um, dynamic Island. Okay. There it is. Chris Norton just confirmed it. He said, you are right. Okay. So yeah, I apologize. I'm just trying to answer the chat. People are like, why does Chris always ask what we're talking about? He can't, he can't see the, the chat and he can't see the, the thumbnail title. So that's why he's just asking what's going on. Um, I'll try my best if you just, Chris, if you just ask in the chat when you join, what are we talking about? And I'll, I'll say hi and. Uh, try to r remind you what we're discussing, but um, I appreciate the super chats. I just feel bad that you feel like you got to do that every time you join. I, I don't want you to feel like you have to donate so much. <laughs> you donate way too much. Um, but yeah, there's. I felt similarly about what we called the eye hole. Those reports technically were accurate. We just didn't get the software implementation right, and I'm feeling like this could easily be a repeat of that. Like, no one really predicted or, or got with that much uh, time ahead Dynamic Island. All we saw was Apple is going to have a cutout for the camera and then another pill-shaped cutout for the True Depth camera system. And it was going to make the letter I. So I kept calling it um, the eye hole for months and months and months. I remember because when the rumor dropped, I think it was from Ross Young, they had a supply chain panel that showed the little cutout that was in the shape of the eye. I was in Puerto Rico. It was January of last year. And that technically is right. That's what the hardware did look like on the 14 Pro. But we just had no clue that they were going to turn it into a feature. I thought it was just going to be, okay, the notch is gone and there's this new cutout at the top. But they were just going to ignore it, just kind of like how they ignored the notch ever since the iPhone 10. They just kind of say, ah, that's the camera system, whatever. Just pretend it's not there and it doesn't show up in screenshots or anything. But Dynamic Island turned into this huge... UI change where it's like, oh no, you can have the now playing and it's moving and you can have scores and you can have uh, uh, progress bars up there and you can have uh, notifications and face ID come down from up there. And it was this big, big software redesign. So yeah, I thought that the eye hole was stupid and it was more intrusive and cuts in on your content more. And I don't, I never was annoyed by the notch, even on the iPhone 10. I thought the notch is not that big a deal. You get used to it and it doesn't really intrude on content much. So I keep thinking maybe this is another version of that. We're seeing these solid state button rumors or these solid state uh, mute switch or whatever. And we're like, that's stupid. Why would you do that? I didn't see anyone saying the eye hole looked better. Um, maybe there was people, but I thought, no, this is dumb. Like it's just, it's just pushing the camera closer towards the display and making it cut in on content more. And what are you going to do with that retina river? They call it, you know, the, the pixels above the camera, like that's not displaying any new text or new information. Um, so maybe there's something software wise that they're going to come up with for the buttons 
that once we see it, we'll go, oh, that's actually really cool. That's really useful. I didn't think about that. Um, but I'm just having a hard time visualizing it right now. Because, again, I'm like you guys, and I'm like, what? The dynamic buttons, the 3D buttons, or haptic touch buttons or something? Like, where, I don't know. I saw a few predicted features, like some people were saying. If you press harder on the button, it turns up the volume faster. You press softer, it turns the, down the volume slowly. I don't think that's very useful. But I don't think that's necessary. But maybe Apple's running out of things to sound cool. It's not OLED Ocean, it's ProMotion Ocean. Please get it right. <laughs> uh, but also, like, it could be something else where, like, maybe in a specific game where you don't want to accidentally set off the power button, um, the power button is deactivated, so it doesn't click if you're in the middle of something that would be intruded if you accidentally held down that button, if you were, uh, depending on the use case of the device, um... So, I I don't know. I can't think of a good one, but also I couldn't think of uh, I couldn't think of a good uh, example for Dynamic Island. But Apple surprised us with that one when it came out. I was like, oh, that's what it's for. That actually makes a lot more sense, and that's kind of cool. But with this, it was like, oh, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they thought of something like a way to skip, pause, play music with the buttons too, like iPod used to have. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a pause play button and there's like top and bottom volume and then there's a pause play in the middle. That You might be onto something there, e-uploads. That's actually not a bad theory. I, uh, the chat might, this is the first time I've heard that, but maybe in certain circumstances you wouldn't want it to, it, it could be customizable. How about that? You can, you can make the center of the volume because the rumors are all of this big cutout right? That they're, it's a combined volume rocker. It's not two separate buttons anymore. So maybe there's a way it can detect whether you're pressing in the center or the sides, and then you can deactivate it and just make it just volume if you want it to be just volume. Um, let's see. Joshua says, if they do all its solid state buttons, DFU mode and recovery mode would no longer be possible without taking your phone to the Apple store. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, I don't think it's possible already with the Apple TV or um, the Apple Watch, they got rid of the maintenance. Well, there's still physical buttons, but yeah. Uh, Tommy Parker super chatted for the first time. Wow. He said, Chris convinced me to donate, and I'm grateful you never ignored me uh, all the times I didn't. With that said, the iPhone box display and your wallet. Is dead. Wow. That's very generous of you, Tommy. Thank you. Completely unnecessary. I don't know who Chris is. Oh, wait. Chris, the guy who signed up for Tales of Tech Ultra? Why is he trying to tell people to super chat? Like, what the... Wow. Okay. Well, there's... <laughs> that's very kind of you, but completely unnecessary. Thank you. Um, besides of moving to portless, totally sealed iPhone, additional haptic engines could allow for haptic triangulation for insane feedback, like vibration coming directly from an app icon or the island. Maybe. But I don't know. It's it's getting very niche. And anything I can think of is like, uh, really? I can't visualize myself using that. I don't know. I'm just getting, I'm getting heavily, uh, I'm, I'm getting gimmick vibes. I'm getting like this, whatever Apple has planned for those buttons. I, I Let's just say I'd be very surprised if all they do is just replace physical buttons with haptic buttons and that's it. Nothing else changes. There's no software difference. It works exactly the same as regular buttons. They're just now haptic. 
that would shock me. I, I think there's got to be some other use case. There's got to be some other feature that this enables that they're changing it for. I don't think they would just change it for the sake of changing it. Um, but whatever those software use cases were... Oh, Chris Norton. Oh, sorry, different Chris. There's so many Chris's. Chris Norton convinced you to Super Chat. Why? How did... <laughs> I keep telling you guys not to super chat, and now you're telling other people to super chat? Like, come on, man. <laughs> they did it with the home button. There was some logic behind that, though, because when they switched to the solid-state home button, for one, they let you change the sensitivity of the haptics. They also switched the iPhone. That was with the iPhone 7, which made it for... Um, uh, th that made it water resistance. We already have water resistance, and... I've not seen anyone prove me wrong on this, despite me continuing to ask you guys to prove me wrong. So, for the record, that's why I'm going to keep saying it, because there's people that are very good at proving me wrong a lot of the time. So, forgive me if I'm still wrong, but there's, no one's been able to prove otherwise. Um, basically, the limiting... The limiting factor with water resistance on iPhones is not the buttons. The, the biggest problem with water resistance on iPhones, which again, iPhones are very water resistant already. I, I took my 13 Pro Max in 20 feet of salt water and it was still fine. It still worked. Um, the speakers sounded a little rattled for the first 48 hours, but eventually the water cleared out of them and the, the speakers still sound good as new. So like I, I think the microphones and the speakers are what is making the iPhone less water resistant, I guess, than it could be. Like, it could be, some people are like, why isn't the iPhone as water resistant as an Apple Watch? You know, why can't you take it scuba diving or something? Um, it's probably because of the speakers and the microphones that those, um, <laughs> okay, Chris is not telling people to super chat. So I guess Tommy means that he he was inspired by you. Um, he just saw your other super chats and decided, okay, I'll super chat too. But yeah, like, the buttons are not where water and stuff is getting in, as far as I can tell. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but Apple Watch Ultra, yeah, just like eUpload said, Apple Watch Ultra is way more water resistant, and it still has physical buttons. It has more, actually. That's the funny thing. It's got it's got uh, more buttons than a regular Apple Watch does, and they are physical. It's got a spinning crown that goes in and out. It's got the side button. It's got the action button. Um. So I don't think that haptics are necessarily about dust resistance because I also think the Apple Watch Ultra is more dust resistant um, and sand resistant than iPhones are. But the difference is the the speakers and the microphones on the Apple Watch are not as um, good or as detailed or as enriched as the speakers on the iPhone or the microphone on the iPhone. Um so I think that's why they can make the Apple Watch so water resistant. So I, I just even if it's just stronger haptics, that'd be a win in my book. Really? The other thing that worries me about switching to solid-state buttons that I don't see too many of you guys talking about in the chat is I feel like that could potentially make it much harder to sell cases um, if there's a possibility that, like, the cases... The, phys the buttons on the cases aren't going to move either. Um, so those side buttons have to just be very, very pressure sensitive. And if they're that pressure sensitive, can they be that accurate if you're pushing through silicon and you're pushing through others? So it's like, what if 
in order to get buttons to work with a case, you need to use... This is bad news. Here's a potential hypothetical bad case scenario. Literally bad case. <laughs> um, the... You know how kind of like you can't necessarily click a trackpad with anything? Like, um, like right now, if I take this tissue and I try to press my MacBook trackpad with it, it doesn't click. It doesn't move. I have to take my finger off of the trackpad to get it to click. Um, what if they do something like that with the solid state buttons so that if you put on a third-party case that doesn't have a special iPhone 15 made for iPhone volume button with a special metal or a special sensor that has to push in on the power and volume buttons, um, the case just won't work. Um, so there's going to be a, a easier way for Apple to say, this is a made for iPhone case. And if a third party wants to make the case, then they have to, uh, buy these components from Apple or something. And then that's how they offset their last, uh, their loss of lightning made for iPhone. Um, I could see that ticking off a bunch of people. Um, Okay, Tommy says, I was inspired by Chris. He didn't hold me hostage and make me. Okay, good. That's good. Well, I'm glad to hear that, but completely unnecessary. Um, hectic home button totally sucked. Every once in a while, the button would stop working entirely until you restarted the phone. Drove me crazy. Really? I never had that. My wife still uses an iPhone SE with a solid state button, and she's never, she's never told me that she's had issues with it. No, I don't have Apple TV+. Plus. I'm not watching... I didn't like Ted Lasso, sorry. I know a lot of people are going to hate me for that, but there is a lot of great shows on Apple TV+. Plus. Let me be clear on that. I love Severance, and I love trying, and everyone kept telling me to watch Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso's great. Everybody needs to watch Ted Lasso, and we finally got around to watching it, and I was just... I think people overhyped it. They made it sound like a bigger deal than it was, and I just... I didn't find it that interesting, and the characters weren't as... Um, three-dimensional as I was hoping for them to be. Um, there's a lot of great shows on Apple TV Plus, though. Uh, that's why they stopped making home button covers and iPhone cases. iPhone 7's button only worked with bare hands. That could be. They're trying to influence accessory makers. Um, Katrina's never had any home button issues. That's good. I never buy AppleCare, no. I never have, and I probably never will. Wouldn't the bus buttons on the cases be non-existent, like on some cases that expose the frames? They could do that, but I guess that makes them feel less protective or less, like, now if you drop your phone, the buttons could get hit on a rock or asphalt or whatever. Um, I know, I want, I really want season two of Severance, but I also don't have Apple TV Plus, and I have no intention on paying for it. I've had it free for 18 months through promos and trials, and they just kept extending my free uh, premiere, but... Uh, yeah, I'm happy that other people like it, but yeah, it was not, I don't, once you get down to the rhythm of, okay, Ted just basically keeps making pop culture references and saying, that is like this, that is like that, wow, I didn't realize that talking to you would be like riding a horse, if it's comfortable, you're doing it wrong, you know, just like constant one-liners, and it just, I got tired of it, it's just one-liner after one-liner after one-liner, and all the other characters weren't very likable, in my opinion. They were just kind of mean and jerks to each other, and I didn't get their motivations. But I'm pretty sure the Touch ID membrane that OtterBox made would still work for haptic buttons. I hope so. I hope it doesn't go that way, to be clear. I'm just saying maybe maybe that could be the motivation behind going with solid-state buttons, because I just don't... At surface value, I can't figure out why you would want that. 
Uh, I'm not that rich, but I've never paid um, to replace my phone or uh, screen. I've never dropped my phone. I don't wear cases, uh, and I don't. I've never just cracked the glass on my phone. I've just never done that. His accent is kind of over the top. Yeah, I think if you've seen Jason Sudeikis and other things, and you know that's not his real accent, then. Um, but yeah, I would not describe myself as rich. Uh, Apple Care came in. I do. Let, I should be clear that I I make way more than I think I should. I make way more than I deserve, but um, I I am not like. I mean, I guess I'm, I do okay, but, <laughs> uh, there's physical buttons for the wit. Yeah. I, I don't, um, not pay for Apple care simply because I can pay to get the screen repaired. It's like, no, if I, if I broke the screen, I probably wouldn't pay to get it repaired. I'd probably just live with it or, um, downgrade again. It took me a while to come around to Roy Kent. <laughs> Even now I'm not really... I don't really love Roy Kent. He's just kind of, I don't know. The The characters don't feel real to me, I guess, but oh well. My 13 Pro Max is having battery drain slash overheating issues after having AppleCare for three years. I'm pretty sure I'm sticking with it for things like this. Well, I hope it works for you, but yeah, I just, I feel like if you're careful with your tech and you take good care of it, you don't need it. I've, I've never paid for Apple care and I've had a lot of tech over the years and it's never really come up. It's never been like, a, Oh, in this situation, it would have been great to have Apple care. That's never happened to me. Um, you don't need to like football to like it. Cause I love it, but I don't particularly like football. We'll see. That's why I didn't watch it for the longest time. Me and my wife don't watch sports of any kind at all. And she was like, that's looks like a sports show. And everyone kept telling us it's not really about the sports, which is true, but also, I think it kind of is. It's not about, like, the strategy of playing the game, but you kind of have to be invested in sports a little bit to understand the the vibe of we're a team and we want to win and we got to work together and there's coaches and they change and there's players that don't get along. And, and I was like, none of this just feels, like, valuable to me because I just I don't care. I just feel like, okay, your sport doesn't do that well. Like the whole show is based on one rich lady trying to get back at her husband who was a jerk to her. And I was like, okay, the stakes just aren't there for me. So she, she hired a, a bad coach to try to embarrass her husband. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I just don't find that relatable and I can't get really invested in it when the, the, the players are mean to each other, get angry at each other. Like, oh, we got it. Oh. And I'm just like, I don't, why does it matter? Like, <laughs> I just I don't find it all that valuable. Um, I found trying to be a lot more relatable because it wasn't about big rich people or giant professional sports teams. It was just about uh, a young couple that wants to start a family. And I'm like, okay, that's really relatable. Like, I know people in my personal life that are like that, and they're, they're having problems with it, and they decide they want to adopt, and they realize how complicated the adoption process is and how you have to prove how good you are as a parent. And I just, I understood that a lot more. You know, I'm not in the exact same position as they are, but I, I found it more down-to-earth and relatable that a couple has that desire to to grow their family and they have love for each other and they want to pass that on and they have uh, relatable and interesting relationships with their parents. Uh, so that applies to 
um, the kids that they're they're fighting so far to keep uh, they're fighting so hard to keep, and it's well written, it, it's well acted. The actors do a great job, and they're funny, and it made me laugh. And it wasn't just like constant one-liners all over. Wow, that's why it, it wasn't fake. You know, it didn't feel fake to me. Ted Lasso is not actually Southern accent speaking like that. Um, so it's Ted Lasso is not about sports, but. I think if you're not into sport culture, it's probably not as relatable or as invested. I, I, I know other people that are more a fan of it, and they don't necessarily watch football, but they they get the, the sports culture, I guess. Um, you were in band in high school. I was too, but I dropped out. <laughs> the whole teamwork aspect was very relatable, I guess, but I just didn't... Th- I just didn't find it... Uh, like they're high stakes, like they act like it's this end of the world type thing, or it's like my whole career is built around this. I was like, that's you're just making money, kicking a ball around. I guess I don't, I don't find that as cool. I thought trying was way better personally, but that's not Apple related. <laughs> I'm glad I can. When people ask about Apple TV Plus, though, I, I have answers for them. Um, let's see, my iPhone SE has survived using it in a melting shop with 15. 15- 100 Celsius degrees, so it gets my approval. Overheating has not been an issue. Dang. I hope it's an SE2. Maybe if it had 5G, it wouldn't make it. Um, yeah, physical buttons for the win. Uh, and I definitely think that uh, I'm going to... I'll definitely review an iPhone 15 Pro or a 15 Ultra or whatever comes out. Um, but I'm not planning on keeping it. I don't really envision a scenario in which I keep the new iPhones um, just because I'm really enjoying my iPhone 10. And I think the audience as well is speaking with their views and their watch time that people are kind of more interested in what you can get at a, at a discount, what you can get um, at, at lower price. The solid state button is something that you could still use underwater since it's not a button. Oh, wait, no, wait, that doesn't, <laughs> you can use, you can use physical buttons underwater. That's why the it's the screen you can't use underwater. Um, I I don't see how that would change anything. the The physical buttons are actually what still work underwater. It's the touchscreen that doesn't work. Um, do I think the Ultra will get more bands, or they will wait? Um, when the new Apple Watch Ultra comes out, yeah, I think they'll probably give it some new bands. That's almost gotten more attention than the watch has is in recent history. Like, you guys remember the event for the uh, Apple Watch Series 6? It was like uh, most of the event was about the watch bands. It was like a little bit talking about the blood oxygen level checking, but then the rest was like, and we came up with this solo loop and this loop and this loop and whatever, and this um, recycled yarn loop. And like half of the section on Apple Watch was dedicated to the watch band. So when there's not that much to talk about with the hardware, they tend to go watch band. Um, And I think that we had a huge, massive like Apple Watch lineup update last year. We got a new SE, Got the Series 8, which was not much, but it was technically a new watch, barely. And then the Ultra was the first time they had ever changed the design that much year over year. And it gained a button, and it got a bigger screen, and it doubled the battery life, and all these things in one generation that lots of people love. I think the Apple Watch Ultra, for many, was considered to be the best um, Apple Watch ever, or 
the biggest upgrade ever. And there were tons, suddenly like tons and tons of people all comfortable dropping $800 on their Apple Watch. So, yeah, I, I get why, um, I get why they did it, but uh, that tends to mean whenever you get a big massive refresh. It tends to be followed by an incremental minor refresh. And that's what I'm expecting for the Apple Watch lineup this year. We'll probably get a Series 9 that maybe has one new health sensor. Maybe it's blood pressure. Maybe it's one of these years. I hope they can figure out glucose monitoring. Um, there's been talk that I, I know we've been talking about it since like 2017. Apple's been working behind the scenes on getting that approved. But that, I don't think they've ironed it out quite yet. Um, but every year they keep trying. Um, one of these years, maybe they'll get it. Uh, I don't think they'll get it on the Series 9, but they, I think blood pressure monitoring is something that exists on other smartwatches, and I'm kind of surprised they haven't figured out how to do it on the Apple Watch. Um, yeah, so I, I think that the Ultra might get a CPU boost. They might update the silicon on the Series 9 and the Ultra that allows it to get a little bit better battery life. Um, I think I remember reading that they're working on shrinking the bezels um, on the Ultra as well. Um, Dylan. But my iPhone 8 has 72% battery health. That's like 1,300 milliamp hours. Some vapes have bigger batteries than that. <laughs> well, you know, I've seen some vapes that are like kilowatt hours, but, you know, that's <laughs> that's just H3. Who are all these people using their uh, iPhones underwater without a waterproof pouch? That's me. I, <laughs> I've done it. I won't do it on my iPhone 10 because the screws are still missing. But um, on my 13 Pro Max, I, I used it without a case or anything. Um, thank you for the super chat, Ethan. He says, how long did it take for you to get used to the 60 FPS versus the 120 over 13 Pro Max? That's funny. I, I would say about two weeks, ironically. In the Elon world, we say two weeks all the time. But no, genuinely, like... I noticed it immediately um, when I turned it off on the 13 Pro Max and it was kind of jarring and it was annoying and I kept using it and I was trying to say this is a tool, it doesn't matter if it doesn't look as good, all that matters is that your phone works and it gets you through the day and um, it, was, it was annoying and it was frustrating but after about the two week mark I started to not, it's not that I didn't notice, I just stopped caring I guess, it was no longer jarring to look at whereas before it was pretty jarring. Um, it was like, ugh, every time. But then, you know, you go on an iPad, you go on a MacBook, and you're like, ooh, that's really smooth. But your brain kind of learns what to get used to. You know, like, I've, I've never had 120 hertz on my um, watch. Um, so I'm just used to it being 60, so I don't really care that it's not 60. Um, but if you get used to your phone being 60 all the time, you won't really care as much, I think, as if you get used to it being 120 all the time. For the record, I still think 120 looks much, much better. And whenever I use or see someone else's phone that has 120 hertz, I notice it and I appreciate it right away. But this was just another way of me downgrading to address my smartphone addiction, which unfortunately I'm not doing very well at. I wish I could say that uh, also my mom needed a new phone, so I was happy to switch back. And I also think that as the new tech is getting more and more incremental and there's less and less things to talk about, it makes more sense for the channel. There wasn't one sole reason I downgraded to the 10, but um, unfortunately, I was hoping that if I had a older, weaker, worser phone, I would not use my phone as much, but I'm actually using it about the same as I was before, which is a shame because um, 
I think smartphone addiction is a very real, very common issue, but I just, I don't know. It's just too dang accessible and so dang useful. And my job involves a lot of research and doing stuff on my phone. So it's, it's challenging. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever really fix it or be able to get rid of it, but um, thank you for the super chat, Ethan. Still haven't used 120 hertz. Even my TV is 60. Well, most TVs are 60, I think. But there's a lot of TVs that are 120, but there's very little things they can actually display at 120. Um, will Apple skip the Series 9 name? Oh, good question. Actually, Jeff Crumpley brought up a really good point. Should they switch? Should they skip Series 9 and go straight to Series X, or Series 10? Hmm. Yeah, I guess they ha we had an iPad 9th generation. We still have an iPad 9th generation, but they don't really call it iPad 9. They just call it iPad, and then there's a 9th gen. So maybe. Maybe that'll be our first 9. Um, what's considered smartphone addiction, like ending endlessly scrolling on Twitter? Yeah, I think that counts. It's not. It doesn't have a concrete definition, but you know it when you see it. Um, Let's see. I planned on buying iPhone XS Max until I heard how insane SE 2024 will be. It might not be as good as it sounds, Jackie. So, <laughs> um, If you wait a little bit longer, though, you might be able to get 11 Pro Max for even cheaper, and that has a much better battery than the XS Max, if you care about that kind of thing. But before I forget, I should... Uh, oh, excuse me. I should uh, address the comments from the Telos of Tech Pro members here that asked questions before we went live. Um, Nate Tech says, what do you think about rumors stating current USB-C cables you have for iPad and MacBook won't work for the iPhone 15? I don't believe them. I think they're just wrong. I don't. I think people are trying to save face because they were wrong that they previously said the iPhone would go portless and not adopt USB-C, and now it is going with USB-C, so they're kind of dragging their feet on it, saying, okay, they are, but it's going to suck. You know, the EU just can't win, so Apple's going to make it as horrible as possible so that other USB-C cables don't work. And that's just, I've seen no evidence of Apple doing that with any connector, um, and that makes no sense to me. It would it would convince more people that they shouldn't buy the iPhone 15. I believe that there will be USB new USB-C cables that you have to buy your access to access faster speeds, whether they're data or, or charging, but the idea that they just simply won't work is ridiculous. I, I would be shocked if that happened, and I it's so ridiculous that I don't believe Apple would do it. It's just there's no financial motivation for them to do that either. I think people would just not upgrade. Hasael says, which tech video of yours do you look back and hate it slash cringe at the most, and which video are you most proud of? Um, ooh, that's a complicated question. Uh, probably my videos that... Uh, other channels have torn down, like my, uh, are we still talking about Ben Gate video and Lewis Rossman tearing me apart? And uh, Mark's Tech did a video on why I was wrong about why iPhones don't ship with fast chargers. And there were some things I said that were somewhat correct, but other things that I got totally wrong because I didn't know what I was talking about. And I thought I did. Um, I was just poorly researched and I was way off on because i used a bad example in the video i was talking about how fast charging is worse uh, for batteries and um that's why uh 
Tesla's, you know, they, you don't have superchargers at your house because that would be worse for the battery. And I, I said some comment like that that was way off that was like, no, Drew, you don't know what you're talking about. And Mark's Tech, I think that's his name, Mark's Tech did a video on me saying why Taylor's of Tech is wrong. And he was completely right. And um, he was very much justified in it saying why I was wrong. It's funny now in hindsight because now iPhones don't even ship with slow charging bricks. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've made a lot of videos where I made claims that weren't true or, um, I, I've never intentionally deceived to be clear. I, I, I don't lie in the videos where I like, I say one thing knowing that the opposite is, is true just for the sake of, I want to defend Apple. Um, I try to be brutally honest, but sometimes honesty doesn't necessarily mean, um, everything you say is well-researched or, or well-informed. And I definitely have been misinformed on many subjects in the past that I've commented on, which may be a bad idea. And I've tried to learn from that. And I've tried to be a little bit more conscious of what I say. Um, or at least if I'm commenting on something I don't know much about, I try to preface. Um, Uh-oh. Hasael says, did you see what tier I subscribe to? Oh, no. What did you do? Why doesn't it say upgrade in the chat? That's what it should say. What did you do? Oh, guys, what? <laughs> why did you, why did you, oh, okay. Well, for those who uh, may not have known, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe this keeps happening, but um, Hasael subscribed to Talos of Tech Ultra, which also means he unlocked uh, the, the new, posts that I was making for the Talos of Tech Max and Ultra people. So, wow. Okay. Um, sheesh. <laughs> Thank you, Hasael, and Bobby Forsey, and Tyler Forte, and Chris, and Riley McGinnis. Oh, my God. Why do you guys do this? I don't understand. <laughs> um, you don't get a supercharger at your house because your domestic electricity supply wouldn't be able to cope with it. Yeah, I know. I know that now. When I was making the video, I wasn't aware of that, and I was just... Um, taking brief things of what I heard because I wasn't that, I didn't have an EV channel at the time. I wasn't really well researched in EVs. I had just heard people say that you don't want to supercharge your car battery all the time. You want to charge it at home when it's slower because that's better for the battery health. I had a very, very loose, rough understanding of the differences between AC and DC charging and um, home charging versus supercharging. I didn't know what I was talking about and I was wrong. So that was very embarrassing Basically, anytime people do catch me when I'm talking about something I clearly don't know much about, and they have a very large audience, and they make a video about me on their channel and put me in the thumbnail and put, you know, he's wrong or he's an idiot. When Whenever that happens, I would say it, it's the most embarrassing <laughs> because it's usually like, yep, I know. But also, I... I would say all of my videos to a certain extent are pretty embarrassing because of the skits and the acting and how my hair looks or in my older, uh, no, uh, uh, oh, Andrew Hudson. What the heck? Why are you super <laughs> Didn't even say anything. Andrew didn't even ask a question. Okay. Thank you for the super chat. I do appreciate it that I do appreciate it, but you know, it's unnecessary. You guys are being far too kind. Um, it was le it was last night, not right now, which is why it didn't show. Okay, but that's still weird. Why why did you sign up for Talos of Tech Ultra, man? Seriously, um, Chris Norton says is fast charging bad. I mean, using your phone is inherently bad for the battery. Like putting cycles on it 
will hurt it. But um, if you're curious, yes, technically fast charging is known for degrading the battery faster than slow charging. Um, but from what I can tell, it's not a, a noticeably like you will kill your battery uh, in a year. Um, it's like my uh, wife has basically fast charged her SE um, since she's had it just because all we have around the house are mostly USB-C to lightning cables. And typically all of our USB-C cables are either plugged into my MacBook, which I think outputs at like 15 Watts or 18 Watts or something, or they're plugged into a 20 Watt USB-C because her iPad pro is, um, uh, iPad pro needs a 20 Watt brick to charge anyway. And she uses that with lightning and then she uses the same cable on her iPhone. So it's like 20 Watts to the iPhone SE. And she's had her phone for almost, oh no, it's like three years now. And she's at 78% battery health, which is normal. Um, roughly, if you want to know what normal battery degradation is, if, if you're above 80% after two years, that's considered normal. If you've had the battery for less than two years and you're below 80%, that's not no, normal. Um, but yeah, if you're charging it overnight, slow charger is a good idea. Even even if you're charging in the daytime, if slow charger is going to be easier on the battery. But, um, oh my God, so many people texting me when I'm live. It's crazy. Um, it's like they know I'm streaming and they're like, hey, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Uh, so the, it, it does, yes, it does degrade it. Basically what will degrade any bit, but there's lots of things that go into battery health, for example. Like um, how often you let the battery get to zero will affect battery health. How often you keep it at 100, the temperatures it's in. So if you leave your phone in the sun and you live in a hot climate and the battery is in over 100 degree weather for extended periods, that will degrade it faster than if it's in a more normal temperature or if it's in a super cold temperature. If your iPhone is, you leave it in your car or something and it's freezing out, that that can degrade the battery too. So there, there's all kinds of things that affect battery health. But um, I, I was wrong. I've been wrong many times and I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, but whenever a, a channel with a large audience catches me being wrong and calls me out on it, um, it, it's very embarrassing because usually you usually can't defend yourself. Like shortly after posting that video, I realized I was wrong. Um, but it didn't matter because even if I admit I'm wrong or post an update saying, sorry, that wasn't correct. And I, I wasn't clear on that. Um, it doesn't matter because of that other channel, which usually has a different audience than you, if they post a video tearing you apart, then everyone in the comments is going to be like, yeah, why is he still thinking that way? And then they go to me and say, you're an idiot. And I'm like, I know I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter because posting yourself in a video and then someone else grabs it and re-uploads it and says, here's why he's wrong. Like you can't, you can't post an update about that. You can't post a correction. Now that audience will forever remember me as the, the bend gate guy or the fast charging stupid guy. And for a lot of people, that will forever and always be their impression of me whenever they see me. I've even gotten comments on the EV channel before that was like, oh, yeah, I just found your channel. And I was thinking about subscribing, but then I remembered you're the guy who said that Ben Gate wasn't that big a deal. So I'm not going to watch you. And I was like, <laughs> I apologized. I admitted I was wrong. And I, I said I was sorry and that I wasn't well versed on the subject. And I'm trying to do better and try to be more fair and um you know, there's there's aspects of that video that I still agree with, but there was definitely points that I I could have phrased better or just completely got totally off. Um, so it, in that stage of YouTube, it's very, you know, cancel culture-esque. It's not very in support of forgiveness or, okay, maybe 
maybe he was wrong on that because a lot of the time the people doing the attack videos were just like, shut up, you know, quit your job, quit doing YouTube. And it's like, well, that's okay. That's not very productive, but thanks. <laughs> so I tried to do better. If MKBHD ever did a negative reaction video about you, I feel like your heart would break and you just start spiraling. Yeah, I would be surprised by that. Uh, Marquez doesn't really do negative videos on anybody. But um, yeah, I would probably I would probably want to quit my job and retire. Um, but I've I've spoken to Marquez on multiple occasions, and I think he's a fairly forgiving guy. Um, he's even spoken highly on channels that I I don't respect or like very much. So <laughs> I, kinda, I feel like uh, I would be more likely to drop a a hit piece than he would. Um, would you consider having beef with the YouTubers who respond aggressively to your videos? Um, not really. I mean, I think they were right. Uh, they, they caught me on something and I was wrong. Anytime I really, anytime there really is a big channel that does a hit piece on me, it's usually justified in some way. But, um, I think it's, my issue is usually with how they handle it. I don't, um, I don't typically uh, mind if someone corrects me, uh, like because I I do things wrong a lot and I say things that aren't true because I was misinformed, not because I'm lying. But it, when people tell me, "No, Drew, you didn't understand that. You're missing the point on this." If they really bring bring up a good point or they have evidence to back up their claim, and I and I see that I'm wrong. There's a lot of that, but I also tend to stand my ground. You know, if I truly believe that I'm in the right and your evidence doesn't prove me that I'm wrong, then I'll, I'll stand my ground and, and push back a little bit. That's why I tend to use Discord a lot is because it allows for that back and forth. But um, when I can clearly tell, okay, I don't have any evidence to back this up. I'm not right on this. I appreciate it. I appreciate when people inform me on something I'm doing wrong or could be doing better or should be aware of. But usually I get upset when bigger channels will get more personal about it. They're not just saying, hey, he's misinformed. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Let me help you. Let me clue you in. But when when people start saying, you know, shut up or, you know, you don't know what you're, you're an idiot or they get more personal about it and it's not constructive, like let's educate, it's let's deteriorate, let's, let's break someone down so that they feel bad and therefore don't want to continue making content. I, I don't like that. Um, so that's that's when it gets messy because my response to those videos is usually you're right. I was wrong, but I don't, I don't like the way you're handling the disagreement. You know, I, I don't think you should go into it saying, uh, I know more than you and you're stupid and you know, you should shut up. And when you, when you start using more personal defensive language like that, it's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're right. But I still don't like the way you're handling the situation, I guess. Um, what did I say that was wrong? I don't, I haven't watched the video in a long time, but I, I'm sure I made some comment about how the thing was, uh, I was, I was making a video that the, not that many iPhones were bending because I was trying to address, there was news, the story that Apple in a court document had evidence that they knew, um, they knew that the iPhone six was more flexible than the iPhone five. And, there were bigger channels like, uh, I don't remember who, but I think Unbox Therapy was one of them because that was like his biggest video ever. Like that kind of put him on the map. Like one of one of his biggest 
videos ever was him bending the iPhone 6 and that went viral and that made a lot of news stories and um, I think it even people say that affected Apple's stock price um, and he was uploading new videos saying see Apple knew this was a problem and they did nothing about it and I was trying to make the case that Apple knew that it was more flexible but they just didn't think it was going to have that great an impact because of course the phone is thinner and larger anything that is thinner and larger because the six and six plus were way bigger than the iphone 5s that was probably the biggest just physical size biggest upgrade year over year we went from five inch display to five and a half inch on the big end um so my justification was apple knew it was more flexible but that's they just were comfortable with it because they knew it wasn't going to affect that many users. The difference was Rossman was saying, no, it did affect the large number of users because of touch disease. It's not just about um, physical phones bending. It's about when they're repeatedly flexed back and forth that caused these um, chips in the motherboard to get dislocated and they're not soldered on properly or they, they lose their solder attachments and that results in the, the touchscreen becoming unresponsive. And he said that was a common problem that he saw all the time. And I was not addressing touch disease in my video. I was just talking about the phones physically bending. But Rossman was right. And I, and I conceded in that, that the, the flexibility of the phone did affect more users than I made it out to sound. Um, I, I think he made my argument sound a little bit worse than it really was. Um, I think it was a difference of viewpoint looking at uh, different angles of the market, but um, ultimately I was wrong on that, that it, it did affect, uh, touch disease affected a very large percentage of iPhones and they had to actively change the design of the iPhone to accommodate for it. Um, but yeah, it's, there's there's all kinds of embarrassing skits I've done that I do something silly or do something funny. But also... Who was it? Uh, Hasael asked what, what video I'm most proud of. I, f I feel very proud when I see comments, especially now, where I see comments saying that this video encouraged me to not upgrade or just keep be more grateful for what I have. Or uh, yesterday, I think, uh, during the member stream, someone said they, they watched my video about the best value laptop of 2023, and um, they bought the M1 MacBook Air based on that video and they've really loved it and they really enjoyed it. So whenever I see people that said like, oh, I didn't know about that deal or I didn't know about uh, this device that you say is way better and I watched your video and it helped me make a decision and it helped me save some money, that always makes me feel good. So anytime I, I hear those, I don't care what video it's from, but if, if a video I made helps you laugh, it, it makes you laugh and saves money, that's... That warms my heart. That makes me feel like I have value and I have uh, something uh, to contribute to the world that is important that um, lots of people can appreciate. You know, it, it, it's a bit better than just saying, you know, I made videos and people watched them and uh, I made money off the videos and then I went about living my life. Uh, I, I, uh, I know some channels, I mean, some people could justify that. I'll use the money I make off of the clickbaity YouTube to do something good. So therefore it's a good thing, right? Um, but I, I like knowing that uh, the channel can be somewhat honest and not have to clickbait and not have to say confirmed when things aren't confirmed or not have to make up news stories that aren't true. I, I definitely feel better when I hear someone tell me a story like that than just reporting on leaks. Leaks are fun and kind of exciting, but... 
there's so many people reporting on leaks. I feel like it's like I'm not helping the the world or the industry that much just by telling people here's what the leaks are and here's what I believe and what I don't believe. That's just kind of fun, but it doesn't feel that valuable, I guess. Uh, which is why I try to incorporate more skits into the videos so that at least at least I can make you laugh. That's that's valuable. That's worth something, right? Hmm. Let's see. So I, I don't know if I have one video I'm most proud of. Um, but which video am I most proud of? Yeah, maybe the living with iPhone 10 one I feel kind of proud of. I've, I've been very happy with the responses and the comments about it have been very flattering and, and kind. So if I had to pick one, I guess that one. <laughs> There's other videos that have done really well too, though. Uh, ignore this if you already reacted during a live stream. Uh, code in iOS 16.4 has references to routing and account numbers, current balance, interest earned, data management, funds available for withdrawal, and more. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, I don't think I have talked about that, but it is clearly uh, what the article says. Uh, high yield uh, cash savings account. Apple already talked about it, and I don't know why it's still not out, but I guess they're still working on it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really interested in that because I'm not really tied or invested with my current bank. I currently use Wells Fargo, who I've read terrible things about, and I never even chose Wells Fargo. I was I was with a local bank um, in my area that was acquired by Wells Fargo, and they tr had to transfer all my funds and assets to Wells Fargo when they got bought out. So I never even really chose them. They, they chose me, I guess, and I don't like them. Their app is fine. Everything's fine, but I, I would be willing to try moving banks if Apple really got serious about the, the banking industry. And um, I think that uh, Apple savings account is a good start and seeing references to account numbers and routing numbers points to the idea that maybe, I don't know if it'll work this way, but it would be cool if I could replace my current checking account with the Apple savings account so that um, I don't think they would give me a debit card, which unfortunately I, I kind of would need. But uh, if they they have a physical Apple card, right? They We have a physical one for that if there's no Apple Pay. If they suddenly enabled us to have an Apple Pay cash physical card, which recently got the uh, Visa sub-branding. So maybe if they, um, they have a physical Apple card and then they enable a physical Apple Pay cash card, now you've got your, your debit and your credit, then... I could just get paid through that. You know, Google pays me monthly. If I would just send my money to the Apple savings account and all of the money that we save and hopefully appreciates over time could just be attached to my already existing account. So yeah, I'm very curious to see how that goes. I would be willing to try it myself. So um, I, I think that we need more competition in the banking space because all the current banks are kind of sucky. And then Pieroski says, what do you think a standalone camera uh, made by Apple would look like? Well, knowing Apple, for those curious uh, why Pieroski asked that, I, this is the category I wish Apple would get into the most. Like, uh, new product field, what should Apple enter? For me, the answer is dedicated camera. I think they could disrupt the camera space more so than maybe any other. Um, I, my answer maybe would have been electric vehicles a couple of years ago, but now I think they're way too late on it. Um, but still, like, if... If Apple entered the camera space and you had AirDrop and you had Find My and you had Apple Silicon on, you know, the, the computational side of Apple's cameras is already amazing with Deep Fusion and everything. 
if you brought that to a full-size sensor that was no longer limited to, we have to stuck, stick it on this tiny, tiny lens on the back of a phone. Instead, you just had a full-size sensor and all the computational stuff and the efficient silicon, so it could record higher frame rate, higher bit rate, ProRes, and it had Thunderbolt, so you can record videos directly onto your computer, straight into the Final Cut timeline, continuity camera. Oh my God, can you imagine? Just dedicated camera with interchangeable lenses and stuff that you could just, okay, make that my FaceTime camera. So many people, I feel like, could take advantage of it. And there's just, inherently, I don't think we will ever... Um, I don't think we'll ever get smartphone cameras better than fully-fledged dedicated cameras because there's laws of physics you're bumping up against when it comes to light and depth and uh, how big a sensor can get is limited by the phone, whereas on a camera there's not really a limit to it or the lenses attachments you have. The size of the lenses can be much bigger. And until Apple is filming all of their events on iPhones, then I'm going to continue to say that they should make a dedicated camera. Um, there, there's so many photographers and videographers that use Macs already just that's a very common tool for the Mac user base. Make a tool by, and I think Apple could make something way better than anything else on the market right now, simply because of their ecosystem and the connectivity involved with it. Um, would you be able to pay bills from an Apple savings account? I'm guessing not, at least at first. Well, that's that's the exciting part about the comment is um, there's references in the code to routing and account numbers. I mean, you can pay your bills with the Apple card already, but... Um, Routing and account numbers are basically what you would need if you were doing uh, non-credit or if you're not putting it on a debit card. I think you could pay your bills on the Apple Pay Cash card if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, if, if you had those numbers, then you could plug that into, for me at least, I would plug that into Google AdSense. And then when I get paid once a month, it would show up on my Apple savings account. And yeah, if I wanted to wire transfer like an e-check basically for, to pay my bills, I could do that. Um, through the savings account, assuming they give us the account and routing numbers, which they might not. It depends on how they structure it. It might just be a, a basic savings account that doesn't really let you pull stuff from. Um, what do you think Apple's next big invention will be after we're done with smartphones? I don't think we're going to be done with smartphones in our lifetime, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm constantly hoping it's Apple getting into the EV space or a camera, but um, rather than Apple camera, I think it's more likely Apple will turn iPhone into camera with the lens size increases year after year. But even an iPhone, even if the whole thing was just a giant camera, for one, you're 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 limited by MagSafe and wireless charging, right? So it's kind of hard to make the lens bigger when you've got these big coils on the back, and now they're advertising everybody should use a MagSafe wallet or a MagSafe battery pack. So. For one, you can't make the camera the entire phone because then they're not going to be able to wireless charge or do MagSafe accessories. But let's say you did. The sensor size of something this big is not going to compete or beat out the size of dedicated DSLRs. The cameras that they shoot Apple events on are much, much larger, much, much thicker bricks with way more lens attachments. And there's way more light to be captured, which allows for that image quality to be so good. Um, so I think there's there's physical limitations you have with this form factor that you're always going to have. And you could bypass those form factors if you just suck it up and say, okay, let's just make a dedicated camera. And I feel like every time Apple films a commercial or films an event, they admit that iPhones aren't going to be the last camera. Um, 
I know that's what everyone says that oh the iPhone will get better and better, but it's they're not filming events on iPhones. If they are, maybe I'll feel differently. If if they film an Apple TV Plus show purely on iPhones and they film an Apple event purely on iPhones, okay, maybe maybe iPhone cameras will be good enough. But the truth is they're not good enough, so they don't use them, and I kind of get why they still don't. They they would look objectively worse. You could tell by looking at it that it would be it, that that was shot on iPhone. It looks good for an iPhone, but it's still an iPhone shot. Um, I use a Canon camera linked via three different dongles and a separate charger plus dummy battery for a webcam. Yeah, it's, there's so many steps to getting big old cameras to co collaborate with our Macs. And Apple is incredibly talented with computational photography and videography on the iPhone. It's just the the one issue is that you're you have to condense it down into a tiny, tiny little uh, sensor size that fits in the corner of an iPhone. And you also have to deal with a tiny iPhone battery. Whereas if you were making a dedicated camera like that, you could have swappable batteries that come out and recharge and put new ones in. You don't have to worry about making sure it has 5G or 10-hour battery life or something. You can have uh, direct power into it and all kinds of great perks. Uh... Can you see Apple making a deal with Sony where Sony gives Apple their lenses for iPhones and Apple gives Sony the processors? I'm pretty sure the lenses and sensors on iPhones are already from Sony. Apple doesn't manufacture those. Um, it's either Sony or LG or something, but I, I th I'm pretty sure Sony makes most smartphone sensors already. Um, let's see. If they did do the pro camera, what price range do you think the rig would be? Maybe in red territory? Yeah, you could have a whole lineup. You could have a studio-grade camera that's good for YouTubers. And then, a, a again, I don't think it's that niche if your Mac user base is so into filmmaking and videos and stuff. Like, it's, I don't know, it's it's not as niche as a $50,000 Mac Pro, which they were willing to make. They made a $50,000 Mac Pro. How many people bought that? Probably less than 50 how, but there's how many people will buy dedicated like red cameras get into the you know 20 30 40 50 easily fifty thousand dollar realm Apple if they were in that space I think could give red a run for their money um, because they would probably have some kind of in-house compatibility with the Mac pro and Apple silicon so that it would be able to outperform and capture more raw data and um, yeah Sony makes the sensors LG makes the camera assemblies yeah there's there's not that many differences between what you're pitching and what they're doing now. Although, it'd be cool if they made Apple Silicon for the PS6, although I don't think it'll happen. Um, architectures for the game design are just different. Um, but yeah, they could they could have a studio-grade camera that's maybe three to $5,000 and say this is good for you know YouTubers or small businesses and it has interchangeable lenses. So honestly, that would probably cover most of the market. Um, but if you wanted to go in the enterprise route of like, we want to make the cameras that Apple TV Plus shows are shot on, um, or we want to make the cameras that you uh, watch in IMAX and stuff, uh, I think they could compete with everybody. Um, and it would be very, very competitive. They would probably price match or undercut, and they have their own silicon, and um, they write their own video editing software and color correcting software and all that it just goes hand in hand with all of the pro market they're already catering towards so just just that's the last piece of the puzzle that's the only thing you're not making is the camera you're making the software you're making the computer um 
just make the camera. I feel like that would be perfect. Uh, the fact is that the light landing on the sensor isn't as good as a dedicated camera. No amount of computational photography will change that. Right. And I mean, computational can get really, really good. It's improved a lot. And um, the lenses get bigger every year. That's why the 15 Pro looks like it's going to have this, you know, pyramids of Giza on the back because the bumps keep getting bigger so that they can take in and capture more and more light. But they're still always going to be limited to this one little corner of a phone because they can't go past MagSafe and they can't go past the wireless charging. And they also can't get much thicker than, you know, a couple millimeters. They try. They get them really thick with these massive camera bumps. But you'll always be able to get something better if you say, hey, this camera doesn't have to fit in your pocket. You know, it, it's we don't have to fit like a, a giant brick in your pocket. But we can fit a really, really good camera sensor. Um no, I, my, my sister's watching The Last of Us series, but she likes it. I watched a few clips from it. It looked really good. I'm glad there's been some more decent video game adaptations lately. Um, I never played The Last of Us, but I watched it. I I, didn't, I never had a PlayStation, um, but I, I watched playthroughs of it. I was more interested in the story. I wasn't really that interested in the gameplay. Um, but yeah, the, the show looks good so far. Hopefully they maintain it, but... Um, I'm just, I don't want to sign up for HBO. It's already expensive and it's just going to get more expensive. My sister only watches it because she's on a friend's account. She doesn't pay for it. Um, now with USB-C, what if the phone was the computing display and components? You could then slot that in a body and lens. Wait, what? Oh, the phone. I see. You make a, you make a camera with a really high-end lens, but it has a little Thunderbolt port on it that you can put the iPhone in. Okay, yeah, that would be a interesting accessory. Uh, maybe that's hard to do with USB 2.0, but it's not hard to do with Thunderbolt. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I'd like to see them do something like that. They could even take advantage of like the LiDAR sensor. So the lens covers up like... You, you make a camera accessory. I really like the way you're thinking about this. Um, who's, who said that? Where was it? Oh, Christopher Cruz. <laughs> Christopher Cruz. I like that idea because um, the iPhone, if you're using it with that camera accessory, you don't need to worry about wireless charging or MagSafe, right? You can just dock it with a, like a little pivoting USB-C port that supports Thunderbolt 4 speeds because it's got to do a lot of the computation. So you dock it with this giant lens attachment that goes on the back end so it can be pretty big and that has a sensor that's the main body that has the grip and everything that you hold on to and the phone is just powering the whole thing and then with those lens attachments you can put on a telephoto or a ultra wide or a main lens or whatever you want to call it but the maybe in the in the bottom corner or whatever there's a little opening for the lidar scanner on the back of your iphone could help you do autofocus so it's able to accurately measure distance between you and your subject and that uh, auto focuses the physical lenses um something like that would be cool yeah 
Cameras on phones will peak at some point, and then there will be even less incentive to update phones every few years. I, I feel like we're there, um, Trevin. I feel like we have peaked, and every year is just a little bit better. You notice that they can only improve, like, one lens at a time. It's like, okay, now the main sensor is better, but ultrawide and telephoto are exactly the same. With the periscope lens now, the telephoto is going to be better, but the main sensor will probably be the same. And then maybe after that, we'll get a really sharp, really ultrawide lens improvement with 48 megapixels, but all the other lenses will be the same. So they just do one at a time, and... Already, we're like, yeah, you can't really get much better than what we're at now. Um, add a smart connector to the, to the iPhone. There were rumors of that that I actually believe. I think Apple scrapped it, but I don't think they were fake. But if you guys remember the iPhone 7 Pro leak, uh, I covered it. But yeah, there was this lineup where it was going to be the 7 Plus would just have one lens, and then the 7 Pro would have a smart connector and the dual camera, and then they ended up obviously not having a pro. They just moved the dual camera to the plus. But that picture was really convincing to me. I was like, that that seems pretty legit. Although they all have the uh, S branding on them, I think, which is kind of weird. 7S. <laughs> I don't know why they put S on those. but um, Do you think that the Pro or Ultra phones will get M-series chips once they switch to 3 nanometer? Probably not, but... I wouldn't be shocked if one day, um, for, I, because Jasmine 3 nanometer is rumored for the A17 chip, which means the iPhone 15s, at least the Pros, maybe not the regular 15s, they'll probably have the A16, but the, the 15 Pro or Ultra is rumored to have 3 nanometer. But maybe on the iPhone 16, 17, 18, I think they're already kind of running out of big things to add to be exciting. Um that they got to come up with something to convince the pros and the techies that they need to buy a new phone. Uh, yeah, I, I think that eventually maybe the Bind M1 or the Bind M2 or something they would put in an iPhone because I still got a feeling about this. I could be wrong, but with the adoption of Thunderbolt on the iPhone 15, I feel like Apple Dex would make a lot of sense. Like, your iPhone is your Mac and you can dock it with a monitor and a keyboard and mouse and it would run Mac OS and you can just take it. It's your continuity camera as well. You know, you mount it on your monitor and the cable behind the back is plugged into the monitor powering it. And now that monitor gives you your extra ports. It gives you your speakers. And when you want to take your Mac on the go, you just unplug it and put your phone in. It's a Mac Nano basically built into your iPhone. That feels just so like Apple-esque that I visualized them doing something like that. In which case, if it was powering um, Mac OS, it would make sense. But if you're just talking about for the iOS, no, I don't think there's a need to. They, they kind of engineer A-series chips a bit differently from M-series chips. Like they have a different number of efficiency cores because iPhones have much smaller batteries and they're concerned more with 5G and overheating than the Macs are because Macs don't have cellular. Um, the iPads do, but they don't. They don't. They're all. Um, they're, they don't have active cooling systems and stuff. So, uh, Amin Husseini says, "I I'm from South India and a huge fan. Wow, thank you for watching. I appreciate you tuning in. Um, let's see." you think Apple is going to skip the iPhone 19 series for an iPhone 20? Or are they going to do something different, like release the 19 series, but with a special iPhone 20th anniversary? Technically, I don't think they ever called it the iPhone 10th anniversary edition or anything. People kind of made that up. They called it 10. 
um, with an X, but I don't think they made any mention of it being 10 years of iPhone or something. Uh, I think Macs should get cellular, but unfortunately I've seen no report on them adopting it. But uh, yeah, Apple has this hatred of the number nine. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the next couple of years they move away from the number scheme uh, like calling it, maybe maybe it's this year. Who knows? Maybe it's not the iPhone 15. Maybe it's just they come up with something else. I, I We spitballed a few ideas. I mean, most people's go-to response is just call it iPhone. But that's annoying because now we have to refer to it as something else. We have to go iPhone 2023 edition. And I don't want to have to say that every single time we refer to the phone. Um, maybe it'll just be iPhone, iPhone Plus, iPhone Pro, iPhone Ultra, and then for Pro and Ultra, they'll say first generation, second generation, third generation. And then we'll, it'll be in the fine print at the bottom. There will be a new number, but that buys them another, I don't know, 15 years to come up with a new naming scheme. I like having a suffix to the name because you can refer to it a lot easier. Like I like being able to say iPhone 12, iPhone 13, instead of, you know, the 2023 iPhone versus the 2024 iPhone, but not as good as the 2022 iPhone. You know, that gets old. I think uh, Samsung actually handled it great. Uh, just go go off the year. The iPhone 24. It's kind of high, but you don't have to say the 2023 thing every time. Um, if if you don't want to say the 2020 thing every time, then you just do that naming scheme anyway. Um, I'd be sad if they changed the numbers. I think you'll get over it. I think my, my theory about like their long-term plan is that they're transitioning the Macs to Apple Silicon and they're trying to iron out their supply chain and get all their chip fabrications working and stuff. But they spent a lot of time and attention on the MacBooks now and they've neglected the iPads for years and done almost nothing with them. So my thought process is maybe when the, they're done updating the Macs, which they're getting close to, like the, the transition is complete, there's no more Intel, we've got all our new designs and there's no new redesigns for the Mac coming okay, now let's actually put some time and attention towards iPadOS, and iPadOS gets really productivity-focused with lots of pro apps or lots of functionality, and then we can start justifying the M series of chips in the iPads and maybe even give the iPads more I.O., give them more ports, give them bigger sizes. That's been rumored a couple times, doing a bigger screen. I would say it's only justified if the software can rise to match. So... That's the only way in my head I would consider upgrading my iPad is if it could replace my Mac, which I think there's a chance that might happen within the next decade. Um, not next year, the year after that, or even the year after that, but maybe over the course of five to ten years, they put a lot of time and emphasis on the iPads, and they start to just become the more expensive two-in-one where they don't have as good a speaker system as the Macs, they don't have as good a battery life or as cooling system as the Macs, but with three nanometer architectures and probably after that two nanometer one nanometer architectures of silicon they'll get the chips will get so efficient and so powerful that they won't need to have as big a battery as a macbook has now or they won't need to have fans like they do now to get the same speed as the m1 max or m2 max gets and maybe over time the ipad can slowly start replacing the mac for more and more people who want a two-in-one but i still don't think the mac would go away because some people don't want a two-in-one some people just want a laptop um, the MacBooks would probably still have better ports. They would have the legacy ports. I don't think those would come to the iPad. Um, the Macs would probably always have a bigger battery life because they're not a tablet, so there's just more room for them. Um, 
Do I think the Mac Pro comes out before or after M3 reveal? I think it would make way more sense to reveal it before because I don't think Apple has ever been like, here's the M2, but here's another M1. You know, when they unveiled the M1 Ultra, they said, okay, we're done. That's all the M1 stuff. They didn't bring the M1 to anything after the M1 Ultra. So if there's an M2 Ultra coming with the Mac Pro, that's probably going to mark the end. They'll unveil that and say, and now we're complete with the M2 family. And then everything else after that is going to be M3, which would align with hopefully the 15-inch MacBook Air getting M3 and then hopefully an iMac with M3 or something. Nah, iMac's ugly. Just don't name the iPhones cats or places in California. iPhone weed. Yes, that's what we need. Uh, anything for the pro models? No. Do you mean color? Oh my god, I almost forgot that the yellow iPhone 14 came out. That was so long ago. Been live streaming so long. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. It was definitely the most um, boring... It was definitely the most boring iPhone color drop. Pretty much every other iPhone color drop mid through the year has been alongside something else. It's been alongside another iPad or it's been alongside an event where they announce a new Mac or a new display or something. This was just a new color and that's it. Literally nothing. The upload says, I got this weird feeling Mac Pro will be announced this week. I think it would have shown up in the Eurasian database by now, but we've been wrong. There's been things we didn't see coming. Like the new HomePod came out of left field. No one saw that. It was just like, what? I just refresh this product we discontinued before. Weird. Um, it's annoying. There was no new pro colors. Ah, don't bother. I don't think anyone should buy a 14 pro right now. All the rumors, which could be wrong. You're right. But I have a very strong feeling and I feel that it's very, very likely that the iPhone 15 series is going to make the switch to type C Spending a thousand plus dollars on a lightning iPhone in March of 2023 when there's USB-C iPhones coming in six months just feels like a waste of money in my opinion. Eurasian database is like this government filing program for devices that you need to sell. You need to, they need to be published before they're sold through the Eurasian database. So there's often unreleased Macs that show up there before they launch. Um, so we saw that before the M2 Pro MacBook Pros came out. Um, they were they were registered in the Eurasian database, so we're like, oh, there might be some coming, and then they came out. So it would sound logical to me that they would uh, be... We would get some warning before they just drop. You know, sometimes Apple just completely surprises us, but just like the yellow iPhone, we were talking about that last week. We were like... Uh, apparently Apple's going to drop a yellow iPhone any day now. And those reports were right. So, um, yeah, if, uh, there's a new iPhone coming out in six months and you're willing to spend a grand on it, then if you have to buy the 14 pro because you just love lightning so much, at least wait for the 15 so that you can get the 14 pro for cheaper. just feels like now is not a good time to buy it, uh, regardless of if you like USB-C or not. Um, there's new watch bands in 14 cases, I guess, but those those drops happen throughout the year anyway. What do I want iOS 17 to have the most? Definitely across the board for every operating system Apple makes, I want a charge limiter. There are so many circumstances where I just wish my phone would cap at 80% until I tell it otherwise. 
Um, I want that on Mac OS. I want it on watch OS. Um, I have a wireless charger on my desk and I leave, I like to leave my phone on it, but I don't want it to be at hundred percent all the time because that's worse for the battery health. So I have to disconnect the charger and then when it's down and I need to charge, I have to reconnect it. If I could just plug in, if you could just plug in, don't go past 80% unless proven otherwise. Um, yeah, I would absolutely, I would absolutely choose that. And I would do it on my iPad, on my watch. I'm already doing it with Al Dente on my MacBook, but yeah. Um, I'm glad you like your 14 Pro, Chris Norton. I don't think the 14 Pro is a bad phone. I just think that if you have it now, great. But if you haven't bought one yet and you're mad that there's no new color, then you don't need to buy one. Don't <laughs> don't wait until March to buy a Pro iPhone simply because you were hoping for a new color option. By the way, that was never rumored. I didn't see anyone say a new 14 Pro color was coming. There was rumors pointing towards the new, towards the new 14, but not the 14 Pro. So I got to interview the Aptera CEO. Yes. Uh, if you could pick one CEO excluding Cook for the tech channel, who would it be? Even including Cook, I don't think I would choose him. Um, I don't know. I, I guess probably uh, the, the reason I wouldn't interview Tim Cook is just because I know he couldn't really answer that many of my questions. He's very PR friendly, very calculated, very strategic with his answers. They don't really say anything very revealing. So I could ask him things, but he would probably just sidestep the question and not address them. Um, I think uh, maybe YouTube... They got a new CEO recently, and there'd be a lot of things I'd want addressed or fixed. Uh, that affects my affects me a lot. Um, but yeah, not many other CEOs that I think would be that interesting. Maybe interview Elon about Twitter, but Elon doesn't really probably wouldn't provide me very many good um, useful answers. Craig isn't any better. No, Craig. Craig also sidesteps. He's done several interviews with the Wall Street Journal, and they always ask really good questions, and then he doesn't answer any of them. That's where we got who's to say. <laughs> That's where it comes from. Think of any good question for an Apple executive, and they'll tell you who's to say. I remember they said, how's work on the Apple car going? And uh, Jaws's, Greg Jaws's response was, did you say the Apple card? It's a great credit card. You earn cash back. It's It's wonderful. So it's just like, what are we doing? We're just wasting each other's time. Um, they stopped using the Mini. That's why they came out with the Plus name instead. Wait, what? They're still selling the Mini, though. I wouldn't say it's completely <laughs> gone. I wish they redesigned the home screen similar to how new iCloud website looks with more interactive widgets and vertical scrolling. Yeah. I've, I've wanted interactive widgets from day one, but I keep asking and I keep not getting it. Um, I'm honestly pretty happy with, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's all Craig. His hair is good though. I would love to have an off the record conversation with Tim Cook. I'll, I'll put it that way. If I could, if I could have a talk with him where I sign an NDA that says I won't talk about it and you can tell me all the things you're thinking and you don't have to worry about PR. I would love to, I would love to talk to Tim or Craig or anybody about those kinds of stuff. Um, there's no point in even interviewing them on Wall Street Journal. That's why I'm confused as to why they keep going back. That was like Craig's second interview with Wall Street Journal. And the host just keeps asking the same questions that we know they can't answer and they won't answer. 
sometimes interviews are kind of a waste of time, you know, where it's like, don't ask things that they're clear. Like you think in the middle of the Wall Street Journal interview, they're going to be like, oh yeah, the Apple car is great. It's $50,000 and it has a 400 mile range and doesn't have uh, <laughs> it has a very aerodynamic design. And it looks like this. Here is a picture. Like you think they're going to reveal all that in the middle of your little 30 minute interview? Of course not. Yeah, we'll just have lunch with them or something, talk about it, and then agree to a contract that says I can't discuss publicly any of the things that uh, was talked about. Yeah, that would be fun. I would love to ask Tim about his thoughts for the future or how long he wants to work there or what he thinks about EVs and cars and getting into them and stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, let's see. is Siri going the way of the iPad isn't dying? No, I... I did a video on why I don't think iPads will ever die, even if iPadOS doesn't change and they just keep putting more overkill hardware there. I said that there's a market for them. It's just not as big as it could be. Um, I feel the same way about Siri. There's there's a a certain amount of usefulness. It's not very much, but it's, it's not going to... It doesn't hurt anything to have. I don't think Siri's hurting anything. You can just turn Siri off if you really hate her. Um... Let's see. I remember years and years ago when Apple were rumored to be making an actual TV. I remember that too, Roy. I really miss those days. Uh, my, de my decision doesn't change. The yellow 14 doesn't interest me. I'd still rather buy the 12 Pro Max. Okay, good. No one should buy the iPhone 14 or 14 Plus at any time. New or <laughs> new or old. I'm trying to visualize Pro on the yellow and it just sounds weird because the Pros have to have kind of darker colors because of their steel and stuff. That's just gold. You just want glossy yellow pro? Just look at the... Here it is. I found it. Check it out. There's a yellow 14 pro. I found it on the website. They just dropped it. Exclusive leak. Ta-da! I, I can't visualize another way to do yellow other than just ultra-saturated glass, but then you'd have to do a like muted yellow tone, which would look gross. It looked disgusting. Um, I wonder if you could do an interview with a former Apple executive. Even former executives still have NDAs that they can't talk about certain things. That would be cool, but I don't think they could say much. Um, it's probably really unusual, but I want Roblox to be super powerful. <laughs> well, I think it's a popular game. It's probably not that weird. About theme packs, it would let you change icons would be good if not pricey. I think it's a good revenue stream from Apple. They could make a, a revenue cut from people. Um, have you considered making the tech logo red instead of blue since it's your favorite color? I have. I thought about it, but I realized the consistency is better this way. I also think that blue is Apple's favorite color. You know, most of the UI elements and settings and buttons and iMessage and email and, you know, unread emails and stuff. Like Apple just has lots of blue accents. When you highlight text on the Mac, it tends to be blue. You can change that, I know, but like the, the default for most Apple stuff, like new message and watch, uh, and watch OS settings when you're writing a text is blue. The icons are blue. Blue appears to be Apple's favorite color, from what I can tell, and the channel is very Apple focused, so I thought blue was appropriate. But there, there may be a, there may be a, a plan to incorporate red, so. I've got some I've got some plans. I'll just leave it at that. iPhone 15 has to be different as in a new camera design and dynamic island on all phones but the Pro's island is smaller. 
No, it doesn't have to have have to be different. But the the big difference in the fifteen lineup is going to be Type C. I think that's going to be the biggest change. Um, most accessories are white with no other options. Uh, maybe with their hardware, but I'm not making hardware. I'm making videos which you view in the software format. So you're looking at my face, or you're watching my streams, or my videos on a screen. It's like a it's a software creation, not a hardware creation, and. Um, I'm trying to more well integrate into their software, which most of their software elements have a blue accent. Um, Apple should kill the iPad 10, iPad Air, iPad Pro. Just keep the one iPad, which is iPad Mini. Put M2 and 120 hertz on it. Well, I, I've i never agreed with you more in my life, AJ. <laughs> um, yeah, Apple workers have lots of different uniform colors. Try blue. It's the new red. With so many companies focusing on AR slash VR, do you think phones might become secondary and therefore smaller? No. AR and VR will supplement smartphones, but they'll never replace them. They just don't do the same things. We use our phones as cameras, FaceTime, selfie cameras. You can't really do that with mixed reality headsets. Um, we show people things on our phone. It's really easy to just, oh, look at this video I found. Look at this TikTok. Look at this YouTube thing. You know, you just, you found a meme. You turn it around. You show it. You type on a keyboard like this. Mixed reality headset, you got to type in thin air, which is going to be socially weird. It's, oh, look at this meme I found. Take it off. Oh, no, they have to buy a $3,000 headset, too. Battery life is always going to be much worse. It's always going to be more expensive. Um, a camera on a headset is never going to be as useful or as practical as just a phone camera. Um, way, way, always going to be way harder to market a mixed reality headset opposed to a phone, which you can just pick up and hold, take out of a box. Uh, people can look at it. People can hold it. That it's a lot harder to watch a commercial about a mixed reality headset because you just got to paint holograms and people are like, wait, what? It's so no. I'm a believer that the smartphone is like the creation of the century, and there's probably not going to be any other tech as disruptive as the smartphone um, in our lifetimes. Putting actual Thunderbolt in the 15 Pro will be boon for creators that use iPhones. Well, I mean, it's. It's probably overkill for most people, but so is one terabyte, and they're comfortable shipping that. Um, what is the least useful Apple product in 2023? Well, it's been three months. Probably the HomePod, to be honest. They just said, it tells you the humidity in your room. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that came back. No one wanted that HomePod to come back. Um but yeah, I've been live for two and a half hours. Wow, geez. So I'm going to have some lunch and then I'm going to work on some more videos. Um, Talos of Tech Max and Ultra members can get some hints on why or what I'm working on. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed the stream. Thank you for all your overly generous super chats, by the way. Um, far too kind. There's actually like next to zero information on iPads this year. Blue Monzo. There's been like no leaks about... All the iPad Pro and iPad Air rumors are all talking about 2024. None of them are talking about 2023, which is weird. Anyway, hope you guys have an excellent rest of your day. 